literally Minecraft YouTubers. I, I don't know if you mean like the Minecraft pipeline. just the pipeline or the, the pipeline. The yeah, we've... <laughs> it's the same thing. The dream it is. is the exact I... same thing as Homestuck. Um, I have to tell you something. What? I think that pipeline only exists if you were born in the year 2000 or after. That's fair. Fair. Um, That's fair. I am 24 goddamn years old. I can't watch Minecraft YouTubers. I disagree. I disagree. I disagree. I disagree. I disagree. You're listening to NPR. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Pulp Friction. It's a show about what divides us. My name is Rocky. Our guests need no introduction, but I will introduce them anyway. We've got Sam. Hi, I'm Sam. Uh, I use he and they pronouns. We've got Emily. Emily, I use uh, he and she pronouns. And we've got Caden. Hi, I'm Caden. I use he and he pronouns. And I use she, her pronouns, and we are gathered today for, <laughs> this is episode 30 of our of our Let's little go. podcast here, our little podcast that could. We're joined by three returning guests today for an episode that's been a long time coming. Uh, I was really one of the initial, as I was conceptualizing this podcast, it was really one of the things that I knew I'd want to talk about eventually, and that is Homestuck. Give it up for Homestuck. Yeah, baby. Yeah. yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it real quick. Um, <laughs> I think I, I think increasingly what this show has come around to is this idea of you know fan culture and it you know quote unquote fan culture and in the in the online era and how that has become you know a social force, a, an industry force, a political force, um, and, and so I think that. Even more so as the show's gone on, the, you know, the importance of Homestuck as a piece of the puzzle has become apparent. Just, just to get into, because we're going to get into it, but just, uh, you know, I have prepared a f- some notes, which we will use as a jumping off point. But I do think that we're going to try to angle this around whatever our discussion covers. We've already said a lot of good stuff. Um, famously, I have never read Homestuck. Good for you. I mean, <laughs> I mean, who amongst us? <laughs> who among us? Uh, yeah. No, I mean, I have read Homestuck many times. I am actually actively rereading Homestuck uh, with a group, uh, with Ooh. some friends, a mix Not of the people book club. who <laughs> read, uh, who read and never finished. People who are like other like media studies uh, alumni of our hallowed undergraduate institution but uh you know we're reading it together trying to do you know bits and pieces of critical analysis Mm. as we go uh we're not going super in depth we're mostly just like having a good time and talking about homestuck and like what it actually is as a comic i i don't know about the rest of you i would say i've probably read through homestuck in its entirety um, and like by that, I mean like not including the epilogues, um, which I have read the epilogues. I, my opinions on the epilogues are incredibly polarizing because I mean, we can get into that later, but I do think I'm correct about them. Uh, but regardless, like I have read Homestuck proper probably 
three or four times in its entirety. And then I've gone back um, and like reread particular moments that I really liked more times than that. I, I don't think I've reread it in its entirety since the first time, like that I read it proper, but I've definitely gone back and reread portions that I enjoyed multiple times, particular, particularly act six, but that's, yeah. that already says a lot about me, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I never finished Homestuck as, like, a straight read. Um, I pretty much knew everything that happened because I was more of, like, a, I'm just going to read the Wikipedia page for this character and figure out their arc because I'm more invested in them. Um, I did get up to Act 5, and I know what happens post-Act 5. I just never finished it. But I am trying to re slowly reread it or re-like watch it because I'm doing, like, the Let's Reads on YouTube. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was definitely very involved in like the culture and the fandom, but Absolutely. it was just a lot of reading and I was small and tired. Sure. Getting into it a little further, I am I again I'm famous for having not read Homestuck specifically in that I have never read Homestuck. I at the time did not read Homestuck, but I did read and was a fan of Sweet Bro and Hella Jeff. That's so funny. <laughs> so funny. That's no, that so is incredibly up. funny. Um, I <laughs> although I do know actually there was a boy in my high school who I had a really big crush on who had no fucking clue what Homestuck was. Um, I would not be surprised if he still doesn't know what Homestuck is. Uh, but he definitely knew Sweet Bro and Halle Jeff because like mm. I heard him making Sweet Bro and Halle Jeff jokes with his other friends who were like Insane. in marching band with me. So I I'm like, that. <laughs> sweet bro and hell like existed as its own thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's its own thing, but like, is it? Like, no. <laughs> like, yes, no, but no. Like, yes, but no. <laughs> it's a very particular pipeline. Uh, I was very aware of Homestuck. I feel like, I mean, we'll get into this more, but like the first, um, my, my first awareness of Homestuck was from like the, the meme of let me tell you about Homestuck, this, you know, this idea that Homestuck had these very, these very enthused fans. Um, and then I did have friends who were into Homestuck and that was, you know, a period of like middle to high school, definitely. Um, and I tried to read it at one point, but obviously it's, it's a, a bit impenetrable. Um, for the purposes of this discussion, I have purposely kept myself in the dark about what actually happens in Homestuck. Uh, I have prepared enough notes that I can, uh, call upon particular sections if need be. I know many characters' names and some of their faces, but, and, you know, everything that I've absorbed over the past few years. Um, where to begin? Well, I guess a good place to begin is, I mean, I was talking about how I first became aware of Homestuck, and I'm interested to hear how everyone else, you know, got into it initially. Um, I know that with me, I very distinctly remember it, because I was following people who posted, like, Minecraft fan art at mm -hmm. the time. Uh, it was, it had, it was, uh, I'd, I'd first made my Tumblr in, uh, late, late 2013, so... It was right before the Gigapause started. I started reading Homestuck mm. right before the Gigapause started, or like right after it started, and then finished it sometime in, or finished, quote unquote, sometime in like May or June of 2014. You know, I was concurrent till the end, but caught mm -hmm. up in May or June of 2014, and then, you know, dealt with the Gigapause after oh, that. The Gigapause. 
I, I very distinctly remember it because somebody I follow posted fan art of being sad that Jade died right before the Gigapause started. Yeah, I don't I don't remember when I got into Homestuck because I was always like aware of Homestuck. Um, and I like saw these little trolls and I was like, I don't know who these guys are, but like I'm obsessed with them. Um it had to have been just like being on Tumblr and seeing fan art and being like, what is this? I do remember distinctly, I tried to start Homestuck and I found like MSP and Adventures and I didn't think it was actually Homestuck. I thought it was like a joke. And I was like, where do I actually read Homestuck? And I couldn't figure it out for like the longest time. And then I realized that MSP and Adventures is indeed Homestuck. Um, so that was funny because it took me like a couple months to start solely because of that. But yeah. Um, and- I, I, I do have a similar timeline, though, where I got into it, like, right before the Giga Pause, I think. And then just kind of, I stayed, again, I didn't really, like, finish Homestuck, so I definitely stayed up to date with it through the amount of people that I followed kind of thing. But yeah, so I was into it before the Giga Pause, during, after, and then I slowly phased out of it as, like, a hyperfixation, like, probably when Homestuck 2 was starting, maybe? I don't know. Sometime around there. Oh, yeah. I've always, I've very much been like in and out of it throughout time. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to pinpoint when I started and when I stopped. Yeah, sorry, I admitted myself because I was looking for the page I specifically caught up to the comic on. You're um, insane. It's somewhere, um, well, no, I just like remember the page yeah. very distinctly of when I caught up. Uh, and I'll describe it in a moment. But I started reading Homestuck. Like, also to clarify, I am older than the other people on this recording not by a lot like we were all in college at the same time yeah. but i to be clear uh i started reading homestuck around the beginning of when act six was coming out i started around in like the fall of 2011 um i caught up and became a concurrent reader that was like my sophomore year of high school um, I became a concurrent reader. It was the page in one of the Act Six intermissions where Caliborn is like hitting the, the like outside of the narrative box with a crowbar, with crowbars, crowbars specifically, and it like causes the UI of MS Paint Adventures itself to like crumble around it because yes. he's like hitting it so hard with the crowbar. Um, so that was like, that was the page that I caught up to. Um, I read through Homestuck incredibly quickly, uh, like to catch up, uh, which is also part of why I did like pretty soon after that, go back and reread. Um, part of that was because I, uh, did bully my girlfriend, uh, my very first girlfriend. This is true high school love here because I would FaceTime her like every single night and read her homestuck. You're insane. Like we would be on, we would like synchronize the pages and I would read everything out loud to her. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> and we read through like all of it God, that way. Jesus Christ. We got through like the whole fucking thing. So, Natalie, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry that you know everything about Homestuck, but mm-hmm. that's the cost of getting to be with me. Yeah, if we're talking about apologies right now, I do remember distinctly in middle school when I was reading Homestuck, my best friend at the time was not interested at all in it, but because I was so hyperfixed on it, I was like, 
bestie i need to talk about this he was like i don't want to hear about this <laughs> um so william if you're listening to this sorry for only talking about homestuck um and eventually losing contact with you because i couldn't stop talking about homestuck mm. yeah i mean i did have a friend who i did do that to as well um, <laughs> shout out to annie to my friend annie who i definitely made read the first act of homestuck one day when we were hanging out together sophomore year we didn't go to the same high school but we went to the same middle school uh we are still in contact now as adults Aww, uh cute. so i guess i could just text her this but i'm gonna say it on the podcast <laughs> yeah. say i'll say i'll say you know thank you and i'm sorry to to drew and rebecca but also sorry to my eighth grade uh his uh my eighth grade history teacher sorry You're scott insane. uh <laughs> that i put fucking moral agents in our presentation on uh the fucking rules of chivalry I, you did not <laughs> I did. I did. It was. It oh, was the, no. rule, the rule of chival chivalry was something along the lines of like, "Thou shalt not steal your friend's girl." Thou shalt not. Steal your yeah. <laughs> okay. I put the discussion. I put the discussion of um, Feffery, Solix, and Aridin on that slide. Oh no. Oh no. Talk about I. Okay. I think maybe it was good that I was already in high school when I got into Homestuck. And, yeah. like, I was already in... I was in high school, and it's not, like... And it wasn't my freshman year. I was already, like... I'm not going to say I was, like, popular or cool. I was literally, like, fucking insane the entire time. Yeah. But I cared very, very deeply about how other people perceived me. And part of that had to do with, like, gender dysphoria uh, and stuff. And, like, don't worry, we're going to get into the gender of it all. Sure. Thank but, God. Like, we, we can't not. Mm -hmm. uh, the, hey, hey. Whom's amongst us isn't literally transsexual, okay? <laughs> We're gonna get into the gender of it all. It's but like, the transgender pipeline. It's real. Deeply it's closeted real. trans boy voice. Like, no, like, for real. Deeply closeted trans man voice. Dave Strider is my favorite character in Homestuck. <laughs> or Carcat is my favorite character in Homestuck. <laughs> Carcat has or the two voice. We need to talk Dirk about Strider, it. Okay, or okay. <laughs> now you're just calling me out. <laughs> I'm not even a guy. <laughs> but still, oh, you're, right. you're not a woman. Derogatory. <laughs> Ew. I mean, oh, derogatory. Come on. I think that uh, misogyny is fine if it's funny. Which bringing us back to Homestuck. Sure. Um, I think that, like, I think that, like, okay, it's not impossible, but it is sometimes like incredibly difficult to, I think, separate our experiences within the Homestuck fandom from, like, what is actually in Homestuck itself? Absolutely. Like, what is the, like, yeah. point A to point B of this narrative? And, like, part of that is because Homestuck is incredibly metatextual, um, not to write a fucking dissertation on the spot about this, but this is something that I think about a lot. Um, I'm right now I'm in grad school. I'm getting my degree in creative writing, and I think a lot about like genre and self-conscious hybridization of genre. And I think that Homestuck is a very 
early example of new media doing that yes. and like trying to do so actively. I also think that like, and this is something that I think of the like current Homestuck fandom, I don't really consider myself to be a part of like any fandom at this point because uh, I'm an adult. Because mm-hmm. uh, you're normal. And like, it's honestly like I have a fucking job. Like I don't <laughs> really have the amount of, I mean, I don't have the same amount of time yeah. that I did when I was right. in high school and like reading Homestuck actively. So in many ways, Homestuck was the last real fandom I was like, fully a part of mm-hmm. but at the same time i mean i can't speak for anybody else's experience i never really felt like i was fully part of that fandom and part of that is because i'm not white uh mm-hmm. and like we can get into it but i think that like people will think about their experiences within the larger fandom and that will color how they later interpret what they remember of the text itself. Yeah. If that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. Like not to, not to sound like a linguistic student, but unfortunately my major was partially inspired by a very popular fan work. Mm -hmm. What fan work? Drop it. Theater of Cool, not Theater of Coolty, uh, fucking Detective Pony, baby. Oh. Uh, the Long Cat monologue, genuinely, you know? Yeah, I mean, definitely, like, I, the way I approach, this isn't to say, like, okay, when you read my prose, I don't think I have a particularly, like, homestucky tone. People, like, make jokes, like, you can tell if an author has read Homestuck, because, like, there are, like, certain certain prose moves that Andrew Hussey would frequently employ within the narrative of Homestuck that are actually very compelling and worth stealing. Um, And I think that that, those are, however, like very distinct for people who know what to look for. We really Hmm. do need to talk about how Andrew Hussey alone, like popularized the use of the second yeah, yeah, I was going like, 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 yeah, or even, like, would, established works. I would say that, um, The Book Thief by Marcus Zusak, I think, was probably a little bit more influential. I would say also, like, you can't forget the adventure game. So, sure. the, the form Homestuck takes, and the form it took, and, like, actually, as, as it existed in Act 1, and this is part of why Act 1 is, like, really difficult to read, um, is that it's a forum game more than it is a webcomic. Oh, yeah. And I think that that is, like, that's not really, like, a thing people do anymore. But, like, I and this is, again, I'm just, like, older than you guys are, and I've been unsupervised online for, like, a really long time. But, like, that would just be, like, a thing people did. Um, And so I think that, like, one of the things that is fundamental about Homestuck is that it has always actively responded to its reader base. Um, At the beginning, what that meant is literally people would suggest commands and Andrew Hussey would pick one out of, like, a thousand that he would get and then implement that and put it into the comic. Later, that became less direct. but it has always been known amongst the Homestuck readership 
that the author of the comic was reading their comments on the forums. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so you have people who are posting in this way. Um, I was actually earlier today listening to the newest episode of Homestuck Made This World, which is why it's on the mind, but they uh, made a really apt comparison to like, not only like Lacanian analysis, but also to like the Catholic God in the way that people are posting in a way that they hope that Andrew Hussey will see and answer through miracle of having your idea show up in the comic home. Yeah, this, this is, this is really good stuff. And it ties into some of the ideas that I've been having recently about Disney's weaponization of fan culture and how it's influenced the, the film industry, especially, but the entertainment industry as a whole. Oh, there's a book that they brought up in that in this most recent episode of Homestuck Made This World uh, that I will look up the title of and I will tell you the name of because I think you'd like it. Yeah. Sure. I was going to say, like, the one of the things you can tell with with my writing is that one of the few pieces of, like, original fiction that I have is entirely in the second person, just because I do believe it is a stronger way of getting in a character's head. Mm. I was going to say uh, to that point about, uh, you know... Homestuck being a forum game, I have a few more specifics on the history there, but um, it's also, I mean, to recall uh, me and Caden's episode about Dream specifically, where we went oh, into dream. the history the history of Let's Plays and Minecraft Let's Plays. Um, both Minecraft and the Let's Play itself were also born out of forums, and the, orig the original Let's Play was not even a video. It was just a, a thread in a forum of, uh, of mm -hmm. someone playing a game and, uh, you know, speaking to their audience. Uh, and, you know, video and commentary became added over time. But speaking briefly to that connection that we're talking about, I think, you know, these are both forms of entertainment that are born out of that connection to the fan community. And you can see an overlap of that in a lot of different kinds of media that have become exponentially popular, whether it's, you know, the, 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 the 2000s fantasy shows like your Buffy and then Firefly and then Supernatural. Mm -hmm. the, um, Supernatural. The, I mean, I mean, you know, the Marvel Universe and um, anime in America. We talked about this in the Cowboy Bebop episode, how Cowboy Bebop was the final premiere of the first ever Adult Swim lineup and how, you know, the rise of Adult Swim became essential to that rise of anime in America. It was previously like this really niche hobby. You had to like be a video collector basically to, to get involved with it. Um, and, you know, they, they, all these things come together and, you know, have been, have been talked about throughout the show. This idea of the, the, this obsession we have nowadays with content that's speaking directly to the fans and that is, yeah. you know, concerned with catering to the fans. Uh, and to, to speak just a few more specifics on the origins there, um, the first game that Andrew Hussey put out on on MS Paint Adventures was initially called MS Paint Adventures. It was later renamed to Jailbreak, but it was a game where, you know, he Jailbreak, would baby. do a quick drawing and, you know, it would be a choose-your-own-adventure adventure game sort of thing where a forum would dictate what comes next. Uh, the first panel of Jailbreak is the only thing on MS Paint Adventures that was actually made in MS Paint. That's a fun fact. That's so funny. Arrested in Photoshop. Yeah, yeah, that's well, right. That's just because like you can't, you can't. It's impossible. Yeah. You can't. You can't. <laughs> it's not a good program. Yeah, so we did uh, Bard Quest next, which ex was an experiment in branching storylines, the, the oh, Choose Your Own Adventure hyperlink format, and that was never finished. 
Uh, Problem Sleuth, which was a parody of interactive fiction games and the film noir genre uh, that incorporated elements of the previous games. Of course, it was also incorporated into Homestuck. Uh, mm. And then, yeah, Homestuck started on April 13th, 2009. It was very fan-driven. The first panel of Homestuck reads, A young man stands in his bedroom. It just so happens that today, the 13th of April, 2009, is this young man's birthday. Though it was 13 years ago he was given life, it is only today he will be given a name. What will the name of this young man be? The first name suggested on the forum was John Egbert, which became the main character's name. Uh, and the second suggestion posted mere seconds later was Clint Newton, which could have been that character's <laughs> name. Hey, uh, okay. And yeah, they stopped making Homestuck, like, they stopped doing the forum thing after the first year. That's the other note. I do have to add one correction, and that's the Homestuck beta that came out three days before. Ah. Mm-hmm. Yes, we can't forget the beta. It came out, uh, like, three days before. Originally, John was ten. Uh, and originally there was it was a lot smoother. So I've got a meme like saved on my phone that says something along the lines of like therapist, smooth John isn't real, he can't hurt you, smooth John. Yeah. Uh specifically that beta was done entirely in Flash, and the initial mm-hmm. plan was to do the entirety of Homestuck in Flash, but that quickly became Way fucking impossible to do. So yeah, like the thing I think a thing that's also very important to remember is what were forums like in the early 2000s? Um, they were bad. They sucked, bro. I, they were they were they were bad. Um, I want like I want to be clear that I don't think it's okay to do any of the stuff that was like particularly common behavior on forums at the time. Oh, no. Like. I don't think racism is cool. I don't think ableism is cool. Mm-hmm. And also, I think you're a fucking idiot if you are going to pretend that that wasn't just like what the internet was for a really, really long time. Yeah, because yeah. quite frankly, for a really long time, the only people who were like, as we would call them terminally online, like those were people who were like, like the original channers like this is it's important to note that like the forum specifically that andrew hussey is like building his initial following on is something awful like the something awful forums is like famously a goddamn cesspit okay it's quite literally called something awful yeah i was about to say (laughs) So in many ways, a proto 4chan in a lot of ways, obviously not as bad. Um, I like not nearly. I have been on both something awful and 4chan, not as like an active user, but I had been on both of those sites at the time, like in a in and around 2009. Um, yeah, I was in 2009. I was 12. I am like canonically a year younger ish than John Egbert. Mm-hmm. So like for you, like to be clear, like. I was also a teen online at the time, and, like, very much my experiences are being reflected in this comic, up to and including having a random person just call you a slur. Yeah. A slur yep. that doesn't even necessarily apply to you, and yet, somehow, they always seem to find slurs that apply to you, incredibly <laughs> specifically. Yeah. They're empaths. Of the empaths! They are. <laughs> They're empaths. So, like... And I think that, like, one of the most interesting things about Homestuck as a piece of, like, post-postmodern fiction is the way that, like, 
So Homestuck proper ran from 2009 to 2016. Yeah. And a lot changed on the internet in between those years. Mm-hmm. Um, and even honestly, like me having gotten on board in 2011 compared to having got on board in 2013, the difference between even like the landscape of Tumblr yeah. specifically oh, yeah. was incredibly different. I started my Tumblr account. I actually know the exact date I started it. I started it on December 10th, 2010. Uh, it was exactly a week before I saw My Chemical Romance in concert for the Holy first shit. time at uh, the Night 89X Stole Christmas uh, at the Fillmore in city I live in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and every city has a venue called the Fillmore, so I didn't dox myself. But it, it it's just very like, so that's when I started using Tumblr, like literally months after I had my bar mitzvah. And I... Am getting and I I start getting into Homestuck. I actually found out what Homestuck was because I was going through the Tumblr tag for the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy because I really loved that show as a kid and I was like I want to oh fandoms those are a thing on Tumblr I want to see if there's a fandom for this thing I really like there is not uh that Damn. tag was fucking desolate at the time uh but there was one post in particular that was comparing rose's character design to mandy from billy and mandy Mm. and i was like oh who's that little lady interesting and it just kind of like stayed in the back of my mind so like my first introduction to homestuck was through rose but that that would have been in late 2010 that's not that long after like homestuck started Within the first year of Homestuck, they've gotten into like Act five, Act Four already. Yeah. Act Five started in June of 2010, Jeez. but even then, like that's still pretty soon after the comic started. You saying that reminded me of exactly why I got into Homestuck. Say more. <laughs> because uh, when I first I first made my Tumblr because I was a fan of this kind of niche Minecraft series. I was a fan of this kind of niche Minecraft series called the Black Rock Chronicle. And the thing about the Black Rock Chronicle is that the main character was a wizard with a streak in his hair who wore a purple scarf. Oh, it's Aridin. So I remember seeing I remember seeing fan art that was him, Gundam 2, and Aridin all standing together that said, like, I love the purple wizard with the scarf and streak in his hair who's in love with a princess and hates a scientist with yellow. Dear Lord. <laughs> Classic Tumblr. Classic Tumblr. And it, who's I mean, this funny little who's this funny little troll guy? Also, what's Danganronpa? <laughs> Danganronpa is a discussion for another day. Sure. I feel like it's interesting how I mean, you know, many of us came on board during the uh, the, the the period of several pauses, and uh, you know, in, in this sort of intermediary position uh in the comics run and i feel like i mean i'm just recalling our earlier discussions again but i remember us talking about the original minecraft let's player community which started around the same time the game did but was really big in 2011 2012 and um i feel like what i hear in both cases i think those were you know pretty distinct communities at the time but with a a little bit of fandom overlap there but uh what what I hear in both cases is that there were these extended periods where 
I mean, in the case of, you know, the Let's Play community was obviously more broad, but there are extended periods where there were just fewer updates and, you know, there was also a, a, a building sense of controversy, which I think is another key to what, uh, what, what Sam said about differences in in the culture of online between when these things started mm -hmm. and uh, the present day. But yeah, I mean, you know, in my research, one of the things that has become apparent is that there were many, uh, you know, the, the Homestuck fandom was particularly aware of controversy, embroiled in controversy, whatever the case may be. And uh, yeah, I wonder how that, I, I just wonder about like getting involved at a time where, sort of like just off the peak of the roller coaster where things are you know <laughs> uh shooting down in pretty quick succession and then of course you know the things that have happened in the present day where there are now pretty consistently things going on with homestuck but it's a much more niche community because uh the point where the most people were getting involved was the point where there wasn't as much to show for it i've always found it really interesting that the majority of at least like the homestuck community that i grew up with like was part of minority groups despite the fact that there is like very like there's like a lot of racism and ableism and you know mm -hmm. um just bigotry in general in homestuck because of that online you know community that was you know prevalent during the time that homestuck was being made and just like the communities that it was part of um it has always interested me how all of these because there were so many I guess especially queer kids who are really into Homestuck who sort of like tried I guess to brush the bigotry aside in order to enjoy it um mm -hmm. sort of like turned Homestuck into what it is now which is like, like Andrew Hussey is like a Bernie stan now like a, a hardcore Bernie supporter um I mean and, Andrew Hussey is literally a he that Yeah Andrew so. Hussey is, is like yeah. Yeah. any pro <laughs> any pronouns actually I believe thank god no, yeah, but I, I do think it's interesting that, like, in a way, the culture and community that developed around Homestuck turned Homestuck into, like, what it was mocking originally. And, like, a lot of the current, you know, um, things that are going on with Homestuck, a lot of the current updates, especially with, like, Homestuck 2, is, like, canonizing a lot of characters as queer and, like, making characters, like, like, like having characters use completely different pronouns than what they used in you know the i guess the canon of the comic and stuff like that and like this comic that was very much like says slurs says a lot of slurs is like <laughs> and is like has a lot of like really atrocious content at points is a space where like a lot of queer kids like found themselves and like a lot of queer kids forced this fandom to be a place for like <laughs> like queer kids and it's really odd like i don't really know if i'm you know uh saying this the way that i want to but um that's always been something that like really fucking interested me with homestuck is that despite its roots in these like horrid you know forums it became something that like a lot of minorities like remember fondly i feel like one of the things i want to touch on at some point is the reaction like you guys you guys keep saying like current updates and stuff homestuck 2 has been on hiatus uh indefinitely for over a year now um mm. I had no idea. And, yeah, <laughs> it's been on hiatus indefinitely for over a year until they finish it, whenever that's gonna be. Uh, and I feel like it should also be noted that some of the controversies that have been surrounding the post-canon content, I'm saying several of these with heavy quotation marks because I don't respect it, do need, it needs to be noted that some of the gender and 
queerness things that they have brought into it have not been super well received uh, yeah, by the queer it, community. Yeah. It's true. Right. And like, I, I think part of that is like, I will say also, I'm not actively, I didn't actively read Homestuck 2 when it was coming out, uh, but I know people who were. Part of that has to do with like, people are still toying with the concept or still, I don't think they fully understand what the team behind Homestuck 2 and the team behind the epilogues means when they say post-canon. So, like, the anger that comes from that, and, like, okay, my opinion on the epilogues broadly, and we can get deeper into it in general, is that, like, if the thing you're mad about is that the character you like and relate to isn't being portrayed in a way that you would like to see them that's your fucking problem to be quite honest i think that that's not something that is a valid textual analysis of the epilogues Mm. i think that Mm. as they exist because like that's the thing they aren't meant to be and i think part of the reason is that this wasn't communicated effectively upon release is that these are the the epilogues are in many ways also fan fiction like they are not meant to be more or less canon than anybody else's speculation on what is happening post act seven in homestuck Mm -hmm. and i think that because it is being put out by the what pumpkin team that's giving people the impression that like oh no this is canon Mm -hmm. and i think that that is something that I think people need to let go of because we are post-Homestuck canon. As in, like, everything after the end of Act 7 animation, any, like, it's all in the air. It's all up in the air. It can be anything you want it to be. And the fact that the people who own the IP are also saying, yeah, I, like, let's see this. Like, let's try this out. And, like, that doesn't make it more or less canon. It really doesn't. And I think that, like, I don't think that, like, like, I think the content of the epilogues itself, like, there were parts of it where I was like, okay, this is just, like, kind of a fucking lot. And I don't know if I like this. But I do understand the, like, narrative mechanics behind them. And I understand the impulse to, or rather... I can see how Dirk Strider and Jane Crocker ended up the way they ended up pretty goddamn clearly. Uh, That's where I I have to disagree. Oh my God. Partially. I think that also has to go into like, I have never been particularly fond of either character. Mm -hmm. And so those, I was less likely to want to see them have a particularly generous reading in a post-canon setting. If I were writing the Homestuck epilogues, I would probably characterize them in similar ways, to mm-hmm. be quite honest. Interesting. That's, yeah, that's that's the part that I kind of have to disagree on, but we'll get there. Yeah, I think this idea, you know, it speaks strongly to some of those other ideas I was talking about, about the, the, the weaponization of fan culture. And I think about things not aligning with what one expected from from the work i think of a lot of the you know quote-unquote fans i you know just assume i'm using quotes whenever i say fans um reaction to 
the last jedi uh, and and particularly its characterization of luke and i think you know it speaks strongly to that same idea of like it's a it's a cultural problem that goes back to i think this emergence of you know fan communities and fan service uh that comes from fandoms and online circles uh where i feel like a lot of people want to and this ties into cinema sins and this you know this this whole lens of film criticism where there are a lot of people who want to engage i think with media critically but their only lens to think about it is in terms of how satisfied they were with it you know a did the plot make sense immediately and b you know did it fulfill my expectations for these characters and what i wanted to see from this world Mm -hmm. that's i feel like i wouldn't say i wouldn't say the issue comes less from the problems with characterization and the the way that characters are portrayed one of the main issues that i took with with the epilogues and post-canon content is how they were not written from a place of... They weren't written from a place of, like, genuine appreciation or anything. It was... The thing that always gets me is that the epilogues were partially written by somebody who wrote a spite fic in, like, 2011. This, like, miserable, miserable spite fic. And it felt like they were written... That the epilogues were written to spite fans. And they were like, oh, let's get fucking... But I mean, also, at the same time... I, I think it's important to remember that the figure of the author of Homestuck has always been in, an incredibly antagonistic. Oh, absolutely. The, oh, sure. The people yeah. reading Homestuck. And so I also think that, like, I think that, like, good writing is good writing. Um, and I also think that, like, fandom drama and, like, not liking a fan fiction that somebody wrote previously, I understand how that can inform your reading. I just think that like, and I don't, I'm not trying to say you have to like the epilogues or that your reasons for not liking them are invalid. You can like, you don't have to have a reason to not like something. I am a certified fucking hater. Mm -hmm. I fully, like, if you don't like something, you don't have to goddamn engage. I think the thing that always, like, struck me as odd is like when the epilogues like not even when they first dropped because i understand wanting to talk about them immediately after but for months afterwards i was seeing all of these like thread upon thread upon thread upon people who were like i used to like homestuck but this is why i hate it now and at a certain point it's just kind of like grow up you're still you're still making fan work for this content that you are professing to not like anymore and that to me is like okay yeah grow up yeah um i also think that like again not liking the epilogues and not liking the post canon content because again also like it wasn't just the one person who wrote it and that's something that's very different about the post canon content so compared to homestuck itself where they're much much better at front loading the fact that there are many people who are contributing to it Um, Something that the unofficial Homestuck archive does that I wish the comic itself had done, like, thinking back, is that, like, on pages with sound, they just put the credit and a link to the Bandcamp page on the page. And looking back, that makes so much fucking sense to do. But at the time, that would be, like, collected in the, like, blog post for each update. 
and it wouldn't be like listed by track. So people would be credited, but like, uh, again, not necessarily to industry standard and not necessarily in a way that it was appropriate at a given time. And also in a way that was like dependent on whether or not you had beef with Andrew Hussey at that moment. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to pretend like, okay, I'm, I've been dancing around this. I think that Sarah Zed's Homestuck video was fucking terrible. All right. That's fair. Um, the fact is, I think that like, not to sound like I'm like gobbling the cock of like IP laws because I think they're all fucking stupid. But I do think that like the fact that she didn't reach out beforehand to what pumpkin to like ask clarifying questions was her shooting herself in the foot. Like when you are a very popular YouTuber talking about an active IP that like Viz Media owns the distribution rights to Homestuck, like the text novels and merchandising. Like they're like, this is a company, mm-hmm. you know, people work for them. Yeah. Um, paychecks are signed and delivered to people based on this IP. And like uh, also like aspects of like their other projects, extended projects, things like um like friend hive swap and friend sim, those were like pretty well received as far as I have like seen and heard. I'm not super into Ooh, Hive Swap was um, not well that received, kind of adventure game. Hive swap hive swap was less well received. Friend sim was decently received, as was Pester Quest. I can talk on those if we need. Yeah. But like you know what I mean? You have people we have essentially an indie game studio who is trying to get these games out based on the homestuck ip like they are still available for purchase and you have a very popular youtuber who is straight up just saying things that aren't true about your company Mm -hmm. um fair i think that like it's not unreasonable for them to say hey you need to clarify some of this shit or take your video down because it's like you know what i mean like obviously i don't like capitalism but also that is how it works. Yeah, no, I get it. I definitely get it, but I also think that the way what Pumpkin reacted was very immature and fed into the whole clown show that is what Pumpkin in general, but that's kind of another story and kind of another, like, topic, almost. I mean, yeah, honestly, that gets yeah. less into because of their their unprofessionalism, especially with the meltdowns that were going on in Discord. I mean, yeah, and also, like, it's all a lot of stuff that could have been avoided through an email. You know what I mean? And even saying, I reached out to them for comment and didn't get a response in time would have covered her a lot. That's like kind of basic. I mean, there's, it's tough to sort of draw that line, but when you think of video essays in terms of journalism, like any, any like article you would ever read that was talking about you know something that's still going on people who are alive something like that they would say we if they didn't get a comment they would say we reached out and didn't get a comment the the thing the thing with those videos is that i did like them but it was because they were coming from a sympathetic perspective like specifically because they were coming from the perspective of somebody who was into it had a very big phase for it and then eventually fell off but still had affection for it and I feel like that's a very important part that you don't see a lot. Uh, like, oh, I fo- absolutely. I follow somebody who has like this Patreon goal. That's like, if I get however many Patreon uh, patrons, uh, I'll read Homestuck and do a big video on it, and 
I sort of clam up at that where I'm like, yeah. no, don't do that because you're coming in with a preconceived notion of this weird comic with weird characters that weird people like. Yeah. And I don't like that. I mean, I will say most people who are coming in with that perspective and actually go to read it do find out like, oh, there's actually a lot of really compelling stuff here. Um, again, I highly recommend the range, uh, range touch is the like group that makes it, but the podcast Homestuck made this world is like a critical analysis of Homestuck. And they do get into like very specifically, like with like page references and everything way more in depth than we would ever in this conversation. Um, talking about like some of the many problems within the text of Homestuck itself, but they do also go into what were people, how were people responding at the time using archived something awful forums and like how are people and like as many of the archived official forums as they can get, um, like how are people reacting to this comic as it's happening and how is the comic reacting to that reaction? And again, that's why I think when you come into the comic well after or at a point and are heavily invested in parts of the comic where that antagonism is lesser, I think it is easy to forget that like Andrew Hussey the person and Andrew Hussey the character, first of all, are different. Mm. And as a fandom, we primarily engaged with Andrew Hussey, the character. Yeah. And Andrew Hussey, the character, was very much put on an incredibly weird pedestal where it's definitely at the, the right beginning. Word. Because it's 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 very much like the way earlier Homestuck intra-fandom discourse went down would typically be like a person of color saying, hey, this part of the comic was racist. And then literally every single Homestuck fan jumping down their goddamn throat to tell them to shut up because Andrew Hussey is a genius. And that's also why I am a little bit kind of like, I, I am a little bit side-eyeing towards ex-Homestucks who are performatively pointing out how problematic Homestuck is if only because it's like, where the fuck were you when I was getting death threats in my ask box for cosplaying as Jade as a black person? Oh, yeah. Like, straight up. I, like, again, I'm not going to, I was never really, I never really considered myself a part of the Homestuck fandom, partially because, like, on Tumblr, I was always interested in, like, other things simultaneously. Like, even if Homestuck was my largest interest at the time, that was not the only thing on my blog. Again, I was very self-conscious about how other people perceived me. And so I wanted, I didn't want to be seen as somebody who was only into one thing. I wanted people to know I was, like, multifaceted or whatever. Um, yeah. But, like, I wrote Homestuck fan fiction. Mm -hmm. I went to, uh, I went in Jade cosplay to a meetup at the mall. You know what I mean? Like, and I had a really good fucking time. But I think that, like, so much of the Homestuck fandom as it existed, as the comic was being published from, like, 2009 into, like, early 2013, I mean, is, like, it was very much, like, a lot of hero worship. A lot of, like, and I'm, like, putting emphasis on the word worship. And, like, this was pointed out on the Range Touch podcast on Homestuck Made This World in their newest episode, but, like, 
the way people would post about Homestuck was as if they were praying to God that their idea would get incorporated. And that's why I I actually really enjoyed uh, Polygon's interview with Andrew Hussey, where like, yeah, he does talk about the Homestuck fandom as being kind of like a cult, but like, and I get that that doesn't feel great to hear necessarily, but let's be realistic here. This is a guy who- Just some guy. His entire- he is just a guy. And from the course of 2009 to 2011, he, or like 2016, I mean, he was catapulted into this niche internet celebrity where people are like calling him a genius, fucking worshiping him. And like also at the same time, whenever he does do something that is like genuinely wrong or even something that is like not not bad tbh but like poorly received or like not well thought out or yeah or in poor taste you have an immediate response of you are the worst person who has ever existed and obviously like it's okay to criticize people i don't think cancel culture is real Andrew Hussey was obviously never canceled. He's doing fine. I can just, like, the way the Homestuck fandom acted towards Andrew Hussey, the character, and Andrew Hussey, the guy, is just, like, absolutely fucking insane. And I can understand why he would call it like a cult. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give everyone a chance here. I want to throw a couple of ideas in. Right. Sort of consider as we're moving forward here. First of all, the, I'm thinking about the difference between reactions to Homestuck and Homestuck 2, the recent stuff. Um, and Sam pointed out something that was interesting to me about how giving credit where credit is due in the in, in, in the newer releases and how they are sort of portrayed as a team effort. There are many people working on them. Musicians are credited, etc. And how that wasn't always the case with the original, even though there were, you know, different voices, different, different you know, artists involved in that. And I think I think it's something interesting about how I feel like when credit is given to the whole team, uh, targeted harassment will happen more and it'll be more like, I think it's analogous to Star Wars, uh, once again, where, you know, within the original Star Wars, George Lucas sort of built himself up as this guru and like he was Star Wars in the same way that Andrew Hussey became synonymous with everything that had to do with Homestuck, even though he wasn't the only one. And, uh, you know, I think it's easy to, to, to have that sort of cult-like status where, you know, you're associated with the work and so people who love the work sort of transfer that love and that uh, adulation onto you and then George Lucas with the prequels and Andrew Hussey with several of his decisions you, you know it can you know people can turn on a dime when it's that severe and then when Star Wars you know turns over to Disney and it's a few cooks in the kitchen it's not like this is J.J. Abrams' Star Wars it's this is a bunch of people's Star Wars um, it becomes you, you see a lot more of targeted harassment to you know J.J. Abrams ruined it Ryan Johnson ruined it Amy, uh, Kathleen Kennedy mm-hmm. ruined it uh, down to some of the actors ruined it like and, and, you know obviously the racist element uh-huh. in there uh, and sexist as well but um, I, I think there's something to be said about the difference between when it's all associated with one person versus when it's you know, when it, it's always a team effort but when that team effort is acknowledged the other thing i wanted to just point out is that 
it's interesting to talk about the discourse within the fandom and the you know the 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 like hate towards it and how it is sort of uh looked down upon in some circles because i feel like i have always gotten more of an i hate homestuck vibe from homestuck Mm. fans than anyone else absolutely that's definitely a, a big part what you're saying about targeted harassment definitely i'm not sure entirely if rings true is correct but was given as the reason that uh, Homestuck 2 was put on hiatus. Mm-hmm. And it was it was because the the statement put out was that the creators who were uh, a lot of like queer women of color and and like trans women were apparently receiving a lot of harassment for their work on Homestuck 2. And that was the reason that was put out for why they were putting it on hiatus. And while I can't say that, like, that's not true, and I'm sure that there was definitely harassment being targeted towards those creators, I'm thinking, I'm thinking specifically of, like, Kate I, Mitchell. I definitely saw, I definitely saw a lot of it. I don't have a Twitter, I don't have a Twitter, so I didn't. Yeah. On Twitter, it was really, really bad. Yeah, but, like, the circles, the circles I was in were specifically saying, like, they're putting it on hiatus because it sucks. Not because of who's writing it, but because the art is inconsistent sure. and it's, it's not valid. good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. the same can be said about Homestuck proper, to be quite fucking honest. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, yeah. don't get me wrong. And, and you remember the 2012 Kickstarter for when oh, the game Hive Swap said, uh, as Homestuck is coming to an end, and then it was, you know, Lord, yeah. five more years before it ended. Yep. Good lord. Don't, don't get and me so started. It's, it's very much like, like the the harassment was genuinely like not even just to the people on the team like anybody who had anything nice to say about homestuck 2 or even anything that wasn't negative yeah about homestuck 2 even when they like they briefly had a patreon where if you were on their one dollar tier you got to see the updates early and like even that made people lose their goddamn minds about like oh you're putting homestuck behind a paywall now andrew hussey would never do that to us and it's just very it's very like it yeah so like it was really really bad um and i think it can be a combination of also like they all have like they have jobs (laughs) like they have other shit they have going on um which is also like part of why they opened a Patreon, because it's like, that's the thing, like, Andrew Hussey worked, and the other people who were working on Homestuck were working at a pace that is quite frankly unhealthy. Definitely for the first one, from what I remember. Yeah, I mean, there were acts one through four were finished in a year. Act six is the is the vast majority of Homestuck in terms of page length and that started in 2011 and that's when we started to get like actual pauses mm-hmm. of like a significant length of more than like a couple days or weeks at a time also as a creative person like I mentioned this before we started recording but like I'm working on validate as a creative person the idea of working at that pace for not a particularly guaranteed income, I couldn't do it. I wouldn't do it, even if I could. And I think that, like, 
we are now like speaking of ways that the internet has changed i think we're now a lot more aware of the labor that goes into creative works um like writing creative writing and art and all of and music and all of these things and i think that like we're at a point where like yeah i wouldn't i also wouldn't want to work on homestuck too if like if i put up a patreon for it and people sent me death threats about it you yeah. know what i mean like it's 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 there's just like so fucking much there's so many layers to what happened with it and how it went down and like i i mean i'm seeing this i was seeing it from uh at least the tumblr perspective i follow maybe two people who still post homestuck just because several of the several of the people i did follow like back in the day started being like well i hate this now after the epilogues came out and were like hurt and vitriolic about it and then all of them kind of just came back around and were like, wait, actually, this is fine. Or wait, actually, I'm yeah. disregarding post-canon. And it was like, okay, thank you, you grew because, up like, about it. Because, like, that's kind of the point. Yeah, the point is that it's fan fiction. Straight up. And, like, there's plenty, there were plenty of Homestuck fan fictions that everybody loved that I was like, um, actually, this sucks. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> it's poorly written and it's poorly characterized. Like, I hate this. So I'm going to write my own fanfic. And, and like, that's the whole point. There's some that I've looked back on where I'm like, damn, that wasn't actually that good, huh? Yeah. Right. And, like, that's also, like, kind of the point of the post-canon. It's to keep these conversations going. And, like, yeah. one thing Homestuck has always been incredibly good at is being incredibly antagonistic towards its fans. When it was revealed that... Rose and Dave and John and Jade are siblings, you would not fucking believe the way the fandom goddamn exploded. And that was like the first real instance of Andrew Hussey deliberately lighting a stick of dynamite and throwing it into his own fan base. Mm. And in many ways, that is homestuck. And I think that like, that's also like kind of what I like about it. It is unlike a lot of contemporary examples of like corporate fan service. The name of the book, by the way, that I mentioned a million years ago is called Exploiting Fandom, How the uh How the Media Industry Seeks to Manipulate Fans. It's by um Mel Stanfill. And it's a uh, published by the University of Iowa Press. But it that's it's more about like the corporate side of things. And I think in the like corporate Disneyified things, you very much like fan service is the word. And Homesuck has fan service in it. It very much does. But at the same time, you have to dig for that nugget of fan service. You have to dig through a like pile of needles and like horse shit to get to that fan yeah. service and needle in a yeah and stack. that has always been the well case. homestuck like for a really long time homestuck wasn't even like profitable in any way like i remember when homestuck merchandise like started being sold that wasn't just like a t-shirt with a zodiac sign on it but like actual like figurines and plushies and stuff like that like that was a huge thing and it was like yeah. nearly yeah. impossible to get things off of what pumpkin for a while to the point where like i remember when what pumpkin was like tabling at comic-con for the first year i was like losing my shit because like that was the first time i'd ever seen homestuck merch like promoted in any way shape or form and i think that like 
I, I think that's when a lot of people started having a lot of conflict with Homestuck was when, you know, the Kickstarter went up and when Homestuck continued after it was finished is that like a lot of the stuff, despite being, you know, kind of just fan fiction seemed like it was being promoted as like, how can we continue to profit off of Homestuck when like a lot of the families for Homestuck thrived because there wasn't any way to profit off of it. Like a lot of the cosplayers thrived because there wasn't any way to get cosplay unless you made it yourself. And a lot of people, a lot of, you know, people who made, you know, a day in the life of cosplay videos or like really intricate fan fiction AUs and that like explained lore and Homestuck that wasn't actually there in the beginning. The reason that those people got so popular and the reason that Homestuck created such like a strong inner community of like like fan and works is because you couldn't get it anywhere else like it was very much homestuck existed as homestuck and there wasn't anything besides that and now once you make all these things that are like homestuck 2 and the homestuck epilogues yeah they're cool yeah it's fun to see homestuck like continue on despite the fact that it's over but it's like suddenly uh something that is officially tied to homestuck is now like trying to claim this fandom culture as its own when the fandom culture existed like completely independent of homestuck for a very long time and i think that might be like the root of why a lot of people were very spiteful about it at first and why a lot of people afterwards after realizing that like oh it's not that bad came back to homestuck was because like yeah when i first saw homestuck 2 i was like oh this kind of sucks it's like just let it die already like homestuck exists as its own thing and it exists really well as its own thing because there is such a strong community around it and now suddenly there's like trying to continue it, but it's like not really canon, but they're still like putting it under the well pumpkin label. And it all like, it pissed me off at first. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I, I wanted to keep going here, but I think uh, it's interesting just, you know, it's sort of antithetical to this idea of Homestuck. Yeah. We talked about how it was sort of, how it ha- had the sort of foil relationship to its own fan base as it was doing the the forum thing and all that. And I think it, it, it follows logically to be like, well, there's clearly this fan community here. We want to nurture them. And, you know, that that's like what they, what they got out of Homestuck. But at a certain point, they're creating, they're, they're sort of, again, it's like an, an antithesis to be like, well, we're done with Homestuck, but we want to build on this fan community we don't want to let them down but by saying we don't want to let them down you are kind of going against what you built in the first place no yeah i've had this conversation with a lot of people when trying to kind of like explain homestuck to them in a way that's i guess like digestible is that like homestuck isn't meant to be enjoyed in its entirety i don't think i don't think homestuck is meant for you to enjoy you know every part of fan culture and the canon and the post canon it's not meant to like be something that you know everything about in a way because i think a lot of the homestuck community like was people who were invested in one specific thing and really knew that one specific thing and i think that's why there is a lot of like inner community drama is because like homestuck existed as something to have like different niches for like i've always explained to people i'm like you're never going to know everything about every single character you're going to read the wikipedia page for like your favorite few characters and you're going to know a lot about them and it's really hard to know the lore for every single character yeah there's some people who know it there's a ton of people who know all of it but it's like people invest in like their few characters or like their few things like whether it be cosplay or whether it be um you know fan fiction or whether it be like the homestuck canon itself and so when a lot of people get really upset about 
you know, these, like, certain characters getting spotlights in the post-canon because, like, everyone has their own favorite characters and everyone has their own thing that they know a lot about. And I'm, like, very desperately trying to, like, bring this, because I've had this thought, like, for a bit and I'm trying to, like, bring it back, is that, like, people are always going to be disappointed with Homestuck because it's so big. Because, like, there is not a spot, there's not a possible way to please everyone in a normal fandom, but when you have a fandom that's, like, built on so many things that are completely fan-created and that aren't canon, but are taken as canon because of, like, how strong this community is, like, everyone's going to be a little disappointed, especially when, like, now suddenly something that is, again, canonically tied to Homestuck like Wa Pumpkin is, like, making something out of those fan creations that, like, were very near and dear to a lot of fans. Homestuck exists, again, I think that Homestuck exists as something to, like, have a niche and fill that niche as opposed to, like, knowing every single detail about every single thing in Homestuck because eventually you're just going to be disappointed with yourself because everything contradicts itself and there's so many inner communities that like you're you can't be a part of all of them you kind of have to pick and choose at one point that's that's the one thing that uh that i really liked about pester quest is that Mm -hmm. since each one was like very it was you know a single episode with certain characters so once it got to like i very much believe that Pester Quest understood the Alpha Kids. I, mm. good lord, am I an Alpha Kids fan? But like that's those are the same people writing Homesuck too. Not exactly. You know what I mean? Not exactly, because they had fan writers doing episodes of Pester Quest. Mm-hmm. They had you, but like you're you're describing the team of What Pumpkin and fans of Homesuck as if they are completely separate entities, and that's just like. That's not correct. Okay, you got me there. You got me there. What I'm saying though is that it gave it it was an opportunity for characters that they weren't getting otherwise, and I definitely appreciated that Pester Quest understood the characters in a way that other content wasn't showing them. I suppose. Well, I think. But an issue arises because, like, you think, you might think that Pester Quest, like, gets these characters, but someone else who is just as dedicated to those same characters may interpret them a completely different way because so much of Homesick is fan creation. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, no, and you're so valid for that. Um, But I think that, like, the reason why the post can is so, like, polarizing is because Homestuck in and of itself was more about, like, a very abstract plot, but there were also a lot of really compelling characters. And the only reason that those compelling characters were so compelling was because of the community. And so now you have these post-canon things. And, you know, like I said, you think Pester Quest is a really good interpretation of this one character, but someone else who is just as involved in that character could think it's a very bad interpretation because so much of these characters is fan-created. There is no, like, understanding of the canon character because that canon character doesn't really exist like when you look at homestuck in and of itself like the character because the characters are kind of just isolated to these pester logs it's really hard to like see them as fully fleshed out characters unless you look into fan works i think yeah you do you do have to go to fan works for parts of it yeah 
Yeah, and and we can come back to how the you, you know as Homestuck was being written, Hussey and company were incorporating the interpretations the fans were putting mm. onto those characters and the stuff oh, that yeah. came out of fan works. I think it's interesting just to look at the Homestuck fandom and you know how much of it I've absorbed through osmosis and the fact that I could remain pretty much completely ignorant about what actually happens in Homestuck. Yeah. You know, it's such a it's such an insignificant piece of the of the fan culture around Homestuck, I feel like. No, you're hundred percent right with that. The one thing that kind of gets me about about post canon and fan interpretation is that with the chapter of Homestuck 2, they quote Detective Pony explicitly, the the fan work Detective Pony. They quote it explicitly, they canonize it. To a, de- to a degree. And what is very funny about that, funny and ironic, is that they clearly missed the point of Detective Pony by canonizing it to the bit, hey, here's Dirk and he's gonna fucking take over the narrative and be horrible and treat all his friends badly or fucking whatever. I don't give a shit. When the point of Detective Pony was that he was scared to hurt his friends. And it's like, well, I don't know. I, here's the thing. I, first of all, I... I want to push back against you saying they're canonizing it because yeah. again, quote unquote. the no, because they're not. Homestuck two is not canon explicitly. Our two idea of two, canon Sam. is but just just because it's not explicitly canon doesn't mean that people aren't going to take it as canon because the exactly. team of Homestuck is publishing it. People take it as canon. Now. I understand that. I understand that, and that's. I, and I think that more within the narrative could have been done to make that explicit. Mm-hmm. However, what I, but like, I want to, when we're talking about it though, we know this. And I think that like, like it's important to be precise with our language. And also like, I want to say that like Dirk, this is why I see myself in Dirk uh, very much can relate. And so, and like specifically parts of myself that I don't really like. Dirk has always been incredibly manipulative. And in his portrayal in Act 6, he is grappling with like, like everything he does in Synchronize is like, and Unite is, is manipulative. It is manipulation. And like, yes, it is to positive ends, but like that's what it is. That is what his role as the Prince of Heart is. That's his entire character arc. What he has to grapple with when he's having his like really incredible conversation with Dave in Homestuck Canon, where he mm-hmm. says, like, listen, I know that you want to see me and bro as completely different people, but I have to be honest with you. There are aspects of my Dirk Strider's personality that match up with the things about him that really hurt you. It wasn't just Lil Cal's influence. It wasn't just Lord English. And it's, I think it's incredible. And one of the really incredible things about like, the end of act six that i really loved was that like aspect of character growth for the striders specifically Mm -hmm. um other characters didn't really get it so much uh much to my chagrin i could i could give a ted talk about the flattening of roxy lalonde from the beginning to the end of act six um her whoopification it genuinely fucking pisses me off also roxy makes more sense as trans femme to me than trans mask uh that is my own opinion however i can see that reading 
either way. It's not something I feel particularly strongly about. Um, however, I do understand why people feel strongly about it. Like, this is not to, I am not like a what pumpkin defender. I don't, I'm not trying to like glorify them in the way that like early Homestuck fandom glorified in Pussy and that other people have. And like, I think that like, part of that glorification is in response to the like heinous fucking backlash they get. And part of it is like, like this is a group of people who are trying to tell a story with a bunch of scattered toys that Andrew Hussey left in yeah. a room yeah. and they're locked in there. And I think that like, I find it interesting to have discussions about like, oh, here's what I would have done differently or here's what I don't understand. But I don't think it's a misunderstanding of Detective Pony. I think it's a dark reprisal, uh, to use the, the language of musical theater. Um, I think it's Dirk taking something he had thought in the past in a moment where at this current time he would view as a moment of weakness, potentially, of him taking that language and reusing it because Homestuck is also a incredibly recursive Homestuck proper. Like that is something that would have happened in Homestuck if Andrew Hussey had thought of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like perhaps part of the reaction to things like that has to do with its dubious relationship to canon. Okay. Yeah. I can admit that like the fact that what pumpkin is the entity putting it out makes it makes people react to it as if it is canon and mm -hmm. i agree that it is a weakness of the narrative that that is not given a stronger emphasis and mm -hmm. obviously like i think in the games it is more clear that obviously this isn't canon right. but i think that like the fact that the epilogues took the form of a thing of a post on ao3 was mm -hmm. enough for me to signify that it wasn't meant to be taken as canon. However, I understand how that wouldn't, I'm also like getting a goddamn graduate degree in this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying I'm smarter or better at reading than other people. I'm saying that like, I do this shit for my job. You know what I mean? So that's how I reacted to it. But I also understand why other people had like didn't necessarily pick up on that yeah. in the same way that I did. You know, I, I very much get what you what you're saying when it comes to to the relating aspect. You know, when I was when I was 15 and I was reading Act Six, 15-ish, rereading, who fucking knows? Uh 15-ish and rereading Act Six, I looked at the character of Dirk and went, oh, oh, okay. And the thing about this is that I do find it kind of funny slash weird uh, that when it comes to characters I've related to, I have a very hard time relating to female characters because of, like, the relationship they have to femininity and my own relationship to femininity. But, you know, I'm looking at this this character who is hyper-masculine, trying too hard, just fucking hates himself, just visibly and violently because holy shit hell and there's just there's just a lot there that as you know as a as a teenager i looked at and went oh shit that's me in both ways that did hurt people and you know 
that I connected to. So there's there's definitely something to be said for looking at the character and going, oh, you're just a manipulator who's never done anything. But then there's also the parts that were for people like me who were like, oh, you're fucked up. You're fucked up and need help. Oh, I want to be clear. I don't view Dirk as like solely being a manipulator. I very much agree that like he is much more complex than that. And again, that's part of what I loved about that conversation with Dave is that acknowledgement of his own, like being able to acknowledge your own toxic tendencies is really fucking important. Um, and that's something that very few characters in Homestuck actually actively do. Dirk does it, Vriska does it, which, okay, just to yeah, get it out, get, I mean, I stand Vriska circuit. I think that, um, I think that, like, it is okay to be uncomfortable with many of her actions in canon. I'm not here to say Vriska did nothing wrong. She did do many wrong things. However, I do think a lot of the negative reaction to her is straight up just misogyny. End of sentence. The thing about Unite Synchronize is I, I do partially think is that it's giving, it's not giving Hal enough credit. Okay, <laughs> yes, but I think that like it is important for people who are listening to this who don't know or aren't familiar with Homestuck, Hal is an AI copy of Dirk's brain that went he from made when, he, when was he was 13. From when he was 13. So Hal is a different person. He is not Dirk. He is Dirk at that stage in like a very juvenile development. And he does do a lot of the actual manipulation. Yes. And also, like, these are still, like, tendencies that are present within Dirk. And that, again, is what he, his, like, mythic role as the Prince of Heart is meant to represent. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like, again, he is more complicated than that. And I, I can see, so, like, specifically, I can see him reaching a moment of despair and monotony on earth sea where listen do you ever get so fucking depressed that you think hey wouldn't it be great if i started just like actively acting like a piece of shit so that everyone else will hate me and i'll have a better reason to hate myself you know what i mean that, like i will say that's a very fair interpretation I haven't actually seen before, and I totally get it now. Right, and so that's how I was reading it. I also, to be, I read Meat before I read Candy. There's um, the other that's the order. That's the order I read the epilogues in. I read Meat first, and I also, like, I was very deliberately not looking at the discourse about the epilogues while I was reading them, I like, because I realized also part of the culture of the Homestuck fandom is that half the time when the site would update, it would crash and you would end up seeing like every single fucking person you follow on Tumblr talking about the update and discoursing about the update before you even had a chance to read it and like see what it actually has to say. And so a lot of what the Homestuck fandom was, was like, 
reacting to other people's reactions. And I don't think that's necessarily like bad. And like Caden pointed out earlier, that's a space where you can create a lot of really incredible things. Mm. And the Homestuck fandom created a lot of really, really incredible things. I think to like bring up something you had mentioned earlier, Caden, I think that if Patreon had been a thing in 2009, Homestuck would have been behind a Patreon, and it should have been. Interesting. And again, I'm thinking about this as a person who does, like, creative work. It's a goddamn job. And I would, like, for me at least, like, that's worth a dollar a month. And I think that, like, our attitudes about, like, this kind of labor have obviously changed a lot. And those sort of services just, like, weren't available at the time. But, like, even, like, at the time, Hussey was taking PayPal commissions, you know? People could, like, send him a fiver if they felt like it. But, like, even, like, the Midnight Crew came out of a PayPal commission during the days of Pester of a fucking problem sleuth mm. uh where somebody was like hey i have this DD party called the midnight crew you should put them into problem sleuth and andrew Hussey was like you did not give me any more information but you did give me money so here is the midnight crew yeah. <laughs> here you go a- a- another more overall thing is just how a lot of these sort of uh pivotal you know internet projects that have informed their relationship to fan culture that we're talking about began as things that people sort of did on a whim yeah. you know andrew hussey was just some guy, some guy who, who, who you know started these projects that built into homestuck for fun and um i think that's the case with a lot of things that have now built out into entire industries and it's something to think about in terms of like the relationship between how those work today and how they worked uh, when they began. Before before we get to that, can I just bring up one last thing? And that is how I actually read the epilogues different uh, in a separate way. I read Candy first. I was on a fucking train into New York City and read the and read Candy first. And I'm I'm looking at this and I'm like, there's a weird. I'm getting a weird feeling from this, and I'm not sure why. And then I get to the one and only chapter that is Dirk's narration. And what it is, is him explicitly and graphically killing himself. Yeah, it's a lot. It's it's a lot. It's a lot as somebody who related to Dirk as, you know, someone who had been passively suicidal. Like, it was sort of, it was hard to see as, as a fan, as somebody who took comfort in this character and, you know, saw myself in it. But then, I will say, this is a joke, but is it really? I think I was plagiarized in the epilogues. Because really? the way... Huh? Really? Yeah. The way this is a joke, but I there was something that I like posted on on one of my tumblers way back when that read the exact same way as the musings Dirk has after he dies. The exact same way of I am dead, this is better than how I'm existing. And in being dead, there is peace. And it reads the exact same way as the thing that I wrote when I was like 17. I think that's also, um, you could, uh, well, I think this kind of goes back to um, maybe like a point I was making before about how like 
Homestuck kind of existed as a fan creation as well as as a canon thing. Like, that also is part of what Dirk's character is, I think, especially when he, like, kills himself to implement himself into Hal, which I believe is how that works, is that he genuinely believes that he is more useful dead than alive. Um, But also, it is very possible that someone did read your work when you were 17 and then plagiarized it a few years later because, again... Homestuck was so dependent on fan creation and on fan culture to create itself. It was very much like, uh, not only were people making things to desperately trying to be put into Homestuck, but Homestuck was desperately trying to take things out of the fandom. I mean, the entirety of the Dancestors character yeah. is fan and interpretations of the beta trolls, like being put into like a canon, you know, canon characters. But yeah. Right. It's a whole yeah, other whole other canon. <laughs> Ranging from ableist to in poor taste, I would say, I, okay, I'm going to be real. Having gone to the college that we went to, I am, as an adult, more sympathetic to Andrew Hussey's portrayal of Cancri than I was oh, when I saw Cancri is fucking funny. <laughs> Um, but you know, like at the time, the reaction to Cancri was incredibly negative. People on Tumblr did not like Cancri because there were people on Tumblr. Yeah. Funny, like which, and I also think people discount the way that he is foiled by the character of Porum, who is like a person who is like, yeah, these are things that are important to me, and so here are the things that I did mm. to change them, or like, you know what I mean, rather yeah. than like. Kankri's like whole performative thing like and that I like I think of Kankri when I think of performative ex homestuck well, no, fans I, yes. like you're just kidding babe you're having a kin moment really interesting that, and like, I raise a counterpoint poor yes. I'm hot poor I'm hot anyway yeah. So, yeah I do think that um it also is interesting how like when I was younger and reading homestuck when I was like popular like not popular on tumblr but when I was like active on tumblr and when I like unironically considered myself an sjw because I was being harassed on the internet for having pronouns in my bio like I didn't understand Cancri's character and I was like made viscerally uncomfortable by Cancri's character because I thought it was you know making fun of the person that I was and then later on when you kind of mature you realize that this character, you know, is A, an over-exaggeration, B, a fan and interpretation of how a lot of people interpreted Carcat, and C, yeah, exactly, very, very performative. And I think that a lot of, you know, this fanonization and very, like, polarizing opinions on certain characters is because we read Homestuck very, very young, and we latched onto characters when we were still developing, and so... Now we have very, very close ties to these characters, and when we see them being interpreted in a way that we didn't personally interpret them, it feels like, you know, a part of us is being taken. Like, I'll be the first person to be like, when I see people hating on Gamsey, like, it pisses me off, like, it riles me the fuck up, because I was a Gamsey apologist, and, like, that was my identifying characteristic as a Homestuck fan, was that, like, I was a Gamsey apologist, I liked Gamcar, that was my niche, and so, like, it's just, it's very much, I feel like a lot of this, you know, I mean, I keep going back to the same point of like a lot of this polarization. It's just like, hey, we were all kids on the internet who really, really liked these characters. And also the people who are making these post-canon things were kids on the internet who either A, really, really liked these characters or B, really, really hated these characters. 
really yeah and so we have all of these people who have like really strong attachments to these characters and so that's why i think kind of going back to a point made a very very long time ago it is interesting when we have people who are like i'm gonna read homestuck and then talk about it and it's like there is so much to homestuck that was solely reliant on a fan community of minors on tumblr that you are not going to get as a 25 year old who has a speck of nuance and critical thinking like so much of homestuck was we don't know how to critically think yeah i think it's sort of uh i think that's a really good point about how to talk about the impenetrability of like the first parts of homestuck and some of the um you know the way that the community has come to have this you know these associations and always did have these associations with it as soon Mm -hmm. as homestuck became like a known thing with that again that let me tell you about homestuck thing that i talked about at the very beginning that meme is it comes from the the fact that so much of it was reliant on the community rather than the text and the other big thing i wanted to say is that i think i think it's sort of a fundamental problem with it you know officially quote unquote in any in any form revisiting uh, a text whether that's a series or a, a film or whatever you know the the very idea of coming back to a story from that that ended ages ago which is obviously the the hot commodity right now you know there's reinterpreting it but when you're actually or you know re-examining it but when you're actually trying to add something on top of it you're inevitably going to uh frustrate the you know the fans who've developed an attachment to those characters and it's a double-edged sword because as a creator you shouldn't be beholden to the whims of the fans but you know once a work is has you you know once a work is out and it has a community and it's built that community and it's supposedly done anything you say after the fact does have the potential to turn i think what the very unique problem is with homestuck is that like the people who are making these post-canon things aren't the original creators of the story and so they don't have that like this is my character i can do what i want with it i don't know what you would call it just like like excuse authority authority. exactly authority um they're just (laughs) connected author authority yeah yeah (laughs) i like excuse better yeah (laughs) yeah and you know it uh first of all I, i i mean there's certainly something to be said for the fact that you know whoever's taking on a uh, of work should be should be reinterpreting it anything at any time you're you're adapting or making a sequel or oh, yeah. a reboot or a continuation of anything you should be you shouldn't just be trying to replicate the experience yeah. of the original that ties a lot i think into a this thing i've been saying about how people who want to engage with media only have that language to talk about it in terms of people's reactions to the matrix resurrections which is you know is a movie that when, when someone explains to me what they don't like about it i'm like oh yeah of course but there are a lot of people who just have have built up this idea that like it it should be the most like the original and that's like a a, a virtue for any uh you know reboot uh continuation to have uh which is is problematic in a number of ways i also do want to go back to a point made earlier about how uh, i think sam you said that if uh patreon existed when homestuck was being made that andrew house probably would have put it behind a payroll um, maybe this is just my, I guess, slash HJ, if you will, uh, my fan interpretation of Andrew Hussey as a person or as a character. I don't think he cared enough about Homestuck to put it behind a paywall. I genuinely don't think that Andrew Hussey, like, I think he cared about Homestuck to a degree, but I don't think he, like, 
really cared about Homestuck. I don't, and maybe that's just how kind of he talked about his own work and how he antagonized his own fan base. But a lot of the times it genuinely seemed that he was just like, Homestuck exists, I'm going to finish it one day, and then I'm never going to talk about it again. So I don't know if he would have put it behind a paywall. (laughs) Or rather, I think that, like, there would have been some aspects of it behind a paywall, if not, like, early access to Flash animations, or, like, just, like, you can ask me shit, or, like, if there is going to be a suggestion box, it's going to be Patreon only. Oh, you mean like when he charged ten thousand dollars to put your troll into Homestuck, and then when someone actually did pay Which, him that okay. amount, he killed Here's them in the one thing. panel. Yeah, I think he would do something like that. Who the fuck? Who they, the they knew fuck, what they were getting into. Who the fuck just has ten thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars actually, that they can just give a Kickstarter? That was a joke tier. Oh, you furries weren't supposed to pledge at that tier, and so I think. Again, they knew what they were fucking getting into. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. I don't feel bad for that. Is that it's such an inner community that, like, I mean, going back to that point, being antagonized is part of the community. Saying you hate Homestuck is part of the community. And saying that you hate other people who like Homestuck is kind of part of the joke. And a lot of people don't really get that. A lot of people think Homestuck's bad because everyone says Homestuck's bad. Not really, isn't that a lot of people who say Homestuck's bad are saying it, like, ironically. And also kind of like... Affectionately. Yeah, affectionately. <laughs> I hate you, slash J. Slash affection. Yeah. <laughs> slash pause. <laughs> yeah. Just just a heart next to it. It's not It's not a heart. <laughs> it's a, it's a, like a cro- uh, X'd out heart. No, I was gonna say it's a spades emoji. Okay. Not the kiss me, dude. Mm. God. Oh my god. <laughs> Can we talk about quadrants? <laughs> Sorry, please. Talk about quadrants. <laughs> okay. Uh, I like my, the quadrant. Yeah, my hot take about quadrants, and again, this ties into a lot of Homestuck was 13-year-olds on Tumblr who didn't have any sense of critical thought, is that quadrants were the reason that, like, Mogai and, like, the split attraction model and, like, micro-labels became, like, a very hot thing on the internet. And, like, not to say that those things are inherently bad, but I do think that they originated with Homestuck. <laughs> I disagree. Huh. Um, if only because I think that, like, I think that, like, yes, it Homestuck capitalized on a similar thing mm-hmm. of, like, people in fandoms really like it when you can, like, say, oh, well, that's my thing and my thing and my thing that I see represented yeah. in this story. Yeah. So that means I'm part of it. And so I think that Homestuck, again, did so very antagonistically Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, again, deliberately antagonistically in a way that is, in many, many instances, very fucking funny. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that, like, and I guess this is because I never considered myself part of the fandom or my experience of the fandom was, like, yeah, I, like, posted about it on Tumblr, but I would mostly just, like, talk to my friend about it at school. Yeah. And we would just, like, talk about what happened there and, like, share our fanfics with each other. Like, I just, like, there's a lot to it that just, like, the I, the the need to, like, label and identify and, like, 
feel part of something mm-hmm. is something and like that is something that people need uh due to their alienation under capitalism but yeah. we don't need to get into all of that we don't. Like, <laughs> essentially it all goes we back to capitalism we wouldn't if we didn't when we abolish sure, capitalism we will abolish mogai yeah the I I, I want to bring a couple things into that. Uh, first of all, I definitely do think that there's that there's a relationship between like yeah that side of Tumblr sort of informing the quadrants being put into Homestuck, mm-hmm. and even just you know even though this was very that early side on, of Tumblr I, think, I don't think existed. It didn't. That's why I'm saying yeah. that I think Homestuck created that. Side exactly. Of yeah. Yeah. Or I, I don't know. I at I, least fed into it. I think there's yeah. definitely overlap. But I think that, like, the Homestuck fandom was big enough that, like, for me, exam- for example, I was on the side of the Homestuck fandom that was making fun of all the Mogai people. So... Yeah. yeah. Well, what I'm saying is, I I think um, that shift in focus in the story, which obviously came at the point where the fandom got really big, where, it you know, it, it just, you know, shifted the focus of the story to talk about the yeah. trolls for a while. Um, I, I think that... Just, just the difference in characterization between the trolls and the and the and the kids from the first part of it. You know, there's uh, I, I I see it sort of angling towards whether these grew in conjunction or one grew after the other. Mm-hmm. It just you know you you can see the you can see the overlap there in terms of like how media is explored and how identity is explored relative to the characterization and the world of the trolls. I'm just, hey man. When it comes to when it comes to like the quadrants and shit, I'm just glad that they gave us a word to describe some sort of toxic love hate relationship yeah. in which you are actively antagonistic to one another, but in kind of a fun way. Well, yeah, that's yeah. What's interesting about it is that like I feel like a lot of people misinterpreted the quadrants as being like, oh, this is someone you hate, this is someone you like as a friend, and this is someone you like romantically. When like quadrants were very intricate. Uh, sorry, Very intricate. Complex. Yeah, where like his misitude was like a necessary part of troll culture and stuff like that. Because like, yeah, it, it was it was always like uh, this kind of toxic thing, but it was a healthy outlet for trolls in a way. And the only way that it became to- like, it, and then once it became too toxic, you needed an auspices to like be you know a third member of the party. Uh, and the thing with like, I, I think Andrew Hussey said himself, or maybe it was just some. And, uh, like analysis posts that I read on Tumblr a really long time ago, that like morality chance <laughs> is more closely similar to like how an actual relationship works like in the real world than like a matesmanship is because matrixships were supposed to be like very much sexual and like physical and intimate, whereas morality chance were more of like um, a back and forth with like feelings and um, like communication and. Yeah, like you know, balancing each other out as to the way that it sort of it's it's it has to do with it has to do with how troll romance is based off pity. Yeah, it's not it's it's less based off love, and then you get to to moral agents, and that's actually based on like caring for one another. Yeah, exactly. I I think when talking about that idea of uh, you know antagonism as love and that sort of angle on relationships, there it's important to remember that the trolls sort of represent internet trolls yeah. and the, yes. the how that could relate to the fan base itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, the trolls in and of itself are a very interesting thing because I mean, personally, from my corner of the internet when I was really homestuck, and I'm sure a lot of people too. Um, a lot of people like would skip the first four acts of homestuck and just read about the, the troll because like. 
that's all they saw of Homestuck. And so you lost all of the like context going into Homestuck. And I think that fueled a lot of the world building that was then created about Homestuck. Because you don't see world building about like the mechanic of the mechanics of suburb or like the I mean, sometimes I mean, you people... do, but only in, like, very specific niches. Exactly, but I think the overall thing is, like, how does troll culture work? Because you don't see Alternia, like, at all. You see it for, like, very, very brief moments, but, like, you don't really know the, like, inner workings of like, Alternian culture, except for, like, things that are briefly brought up in pester logs, and people would, like, dig into that shit, and, like talk about like the hierarchies that existed like before you know scrub took them out and stuff and it, it was really interesting to see like all of this fan stuff that suddenly like that was taken as canon like a lot of stuff that is not canonized in the comic is taken as canon especially when talking about troll culture yeah i have to throw something out here just just real quick just this this idea that just came to my head and then we'll throw it to emily um that the initial like the initial characters of homestuck those human characters are audience surrogates and the trolls were sort of i mean the way that they incorporate into those early parts but also the way that they're you know introduced is as trolls as sort of an antagonist to the audience surrogates and then they became the thing that people cared about with the culture with you know like like they became definitive of homestuck and they were these again sort of secondary antagonists early on and I, I will come out and say I am one of the people who thinks it's fucking insane to start at Act 5. That does not make any sense to oh, me. Yeah. It has never made any sense to You're me. Right. Sure. But people do it. A lot of people do it. And I think it's because a lot of people don't actually care about the story of Homestuck. They care about the characters that exist within Homestuck. And they care about that fan community that revolves around the trolls. No, just about about Alternian culture. The the games actually do go into Alternian culture more, and that's why I liked them. Interesting. Do you think a lot of that was influenced by fan interpretations of Alternian culture? I don't know, because I don't entirely care about the trolls. Fair, fair. <laughs> but I really did enjoy how uh, Friendsim in particular explored Alternian culture and you know, talked about specifically, like, the subjugation of Rustbloods and talked about, you know, how Clown Church works mm-hmm. and, you know, about how different casts have different abilities and shit. Mm-hmm. And also the, the lawyers. Enormous fan of how there's an entire cast of lawyers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck it, why not? I just, I, another thing I just want to throw out there is when I, I remember... You know, in like 2014, 2015, whatever, the, when I was, you know, had friends who were into Homestuck and I was trying to read it, I obviously didn't get very far in it, but I remember it wasn't so much that I only cared about the trolls, but I knew the trolls were a huge part of the story, mm-hmm. and so I was going through these chapters being like, when do they show yeah. up? Because that, that felt like it would be when the story actually starts. Yeah, I think that's why I didn't realize that MS Pain Adventures was Homestuck for, at the beginning, because I was like, where the fuck are the trolls? Like, aren't they like the main characters of this? comic and they're not they're literally not the main character they're not right <laughs> they stop being the main characters pretty damn quickly <laughs> but they're just so like iconic of homestuck whether it be because of how much people like them or even just the fact that they you know are non-human and so it's obvious that like oh this is a homestuck character because they have gray skin and can eat like you know red orange and yellow horns and a corn horn no yeah i was about to say candy corn horns 
Didn't want to embarrass myself too much. No, I was gonna make some joke about how some character is a Tumblr sexy man, but I blanked entirely on which character it could be. What character? <laughs> uh, Lord English. Lord English. Dog yeah. Scratch a Tumblr sexy man. Dog Scratch is a creep, so I'm gonna go with no. no. Well, good to know. I mean, I think the uh, that that is a good point about you know how trolls became, and, and you know part of that is that the iconic look. That same thing that you know. The minions are uh, the, the you know, they, they, like uh, the, these assemblies of characters that have those easily replicable and identifiable looks. But then also, I think the ease the ease of creating cosplays, and this was also true of the human characters. But I think the you know the fact that pe- a lot of people did these homebrew cosplays of the trolls, and they had this very iconic look to them, and they were yeah. so omnipresent at at cons for those couple of years there, and to this day in a way. But um. Yeah. Yeah, I just think that that is a big part of, you know, how how the fan base got so big and why the trolls are so synonymous with the I do also think it's a big reason why the fan base became so notorious was because a lot of people only knew Homestuck through these shitty fucking cosplayers who were getting their gray face paint all over everything and throwing metal buckets at people's heads. Mm -hmm. And, like, people didn't know what the fuck Homestuck was, but they knew that those trolls were from it and that they sucked. (laughs) Right. I will say, okay... If it wasn't Homestuck that forced all major cons in this country to, like, codify rules about yeah. body paint, it was gonna be, it was gonna be mm-hmm. somebody. But it was Homestuck. <laughs> it would have been Steven um, Universe. Because clearly been, nobody yeah. was sealing body paint. It just wasn't a big enough thing that, like, entire, like, hotels were charging cons thousands yeah. of dollars for cleaning fees. God, like, a couple of people aren't reviews. gonna cause that much damage. God, speaking of, of shitty body paint, I, I just remember, you know, being being 16, being in line for a convention, and seeing just this god-awful Dr. Manhattan cosplayer who had his whole fucking body painted blue, but clearly did not seal the paint, oh. and just was, like, sweating Oof. it off, because it was July. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And was just like sweating it off, and I'm sitting there like, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> all the psychologists do though. I think exactly one of the funniest pieces of environmental storytelling I've ever seen is going to Michael's, going to the um, like the Snazaroo face paint section, and only gray was sold out. And I was like, someone's been here. <laughs> I know oh, who's no. been here. <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing about Homestuck is that you can't make fun of Homestucks without outing yourself as a Homestuck. Because the so many other references right. are so niche. Oh my god, I was uh, I was in rehearsal at one point for for a show I was on, and I was talking to one of the one of the other cast members, and we're talking about like our D and D characters and shit. And mm. I'm like, oh well, my guy, he's got this weird sort of love hate relationship with his best friend, who's also his worst enemy, and sometimes they date if 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 it's funny, yeah, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and she has this look on her face. She just has this look on her face, and I just stop in the middle of my sentence and go, you've read Homestuck. And she just gets <laughs> up and walks away. Yeah. No, there are so many times where my friend will be desperately trying to explain a relationship between two characters, and I'm like, oh, a kismisitude? And they're like, a what? And I'll, like, have to explain, like, this specific form of, ro- like, quote-unquote romance to them. And they're like, that has explained so many character dynamics and so many fandoms that I've been in that I've never had a word for. And I'm like, yeah, because Homestuck, like, influenced... Fucking Sasunaro with it. <laughs> Not Sasunaro. Like, it was, it was, and the people... The Sasunaro people for dinner again. 
responding were like, wow, I've never seen this type of dynamic before. Thanks for having a word for it, because Mesos, that's so cool. And other people in the comments being like, they don't know it's Homestuck. They don't know it's Homestuck. They don't know it's So we are, you know, about the, at the two hour mark in this Ooh. conversation, and it feels like we are starting to move from discussions of the text to discussions of its impact. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, as we're getting into this final, I guess, quadrant of the, no. <laughs> of the episode, we can think about no. Get out. We, we can continue to think about the uh, the impact that Homestuck has had, for better or worse, on fan culture, culture in general. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I will say yeah. other words. that there is a... There have been numerous times and numerous occasions where someone is trying to explain something that's happening in a different fandom, and I, the only term to describe it that can come to my mind is something that's based off of Homestuck. Um, so, like, I think someone was like, "Oh yeah, I want to make like a like a comic that's like lyrics to like a, a song," stuck. and I was like, "Oh, a lyric stuck." And I'm like, and then I had to pause and be like, "Wait, that's a Homestuck reference." Like, there are so many words that just have stuck at the end. That like are not at all related <laughs> to Homestuck, and it's actually insane. That's really sad. Yeah, stuck. no, like I'll be like, it's oh, really sad stuck, stuck, I think. Or like I'll be like, oh, pajama stuck, or like pet stuck. Like when I'm talking about like AU. Oh god, fucking like, pet stuck. Yeah, where AU's where like characters are just like these little creatures. I'm like, oh, it's a pet stuck. And I'm like, I keep forgetting that stuck is like a suffix used for Homestuck things <laughs> and not just like a general <laughs> fandom term. It's actually important. There are parts to it that make it a general fandom term, and it's like, right. I don't think we'd have the concept of lyric stucks without Homestuck. No, exactly. Like, and there's no other word for it. We wouldn't have that concept. <laughs> you could call it like a PMV or something, a picture music video, but it's that's not, the not same. accurate if it's a Tumblr post. Right, because the, t the iconic like Tumblr post that would crash your dashboard because it's so long, that's just literally every single lyric to some Imagine Dragon song, is so iconic. <laughs> the number of songs I still listen to? Yeah. Speaking of songs. <laughs> they put they put how far we've let's they put let's see how far we've come by Matchbox 20 in my graduation video. Yeah. And I, I had a reaction. Yeah. How far we've come is I now a dream SMP song. Hey. I put that song, I sing that song at karaoke and I watch the room. Yeah. It's very fun. <laughs> oh my god, like, that song Fox. Had, that song Fox. It does. They had karaoke at my local con uh, for a couple years. And there was one year where it was in like the front room and somebody put on Fergalicious. That's so funny. And you could see, oh, no. I was yeah. there when they put on Fergalicious and you could see every single homestuck in the vicinity just tense. Yeah. There, I was on a road trip the other day and the first few notes of Fergalicious came, it was on, we were, we were using like a Spotify playlist. First few notes of Fergalicious came on and I, briefly, I almost went out loud. I didn't know Carcalicious was on Spotify. Because <laughs> I don't know the lyrics to Fergalicious. I've never listened to Fergalicious, the actual song. I've only listened to Carcalicious. What the fuck is wrong with I'm you? Insane. Oh my god. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> you were born in like 2000, so I guess I can forgive yeah. you, but like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> It's bad. Okay, listen to the song Supersonic by JJ Fad, and then listen to Fergalicious, okay. and your mind is gonna be blown because Fergie and Will I Am fucking stole that whole song. Maybe a lot of drama. 
I mean, to be fair, they do that so yes. often. <laughs> like, like Will that I Am specifically what, that does that so I often. <laughs> yeah. It's his thing. I like how his website is will.i.am, so when you mention him on Twitter, it links That's up. really funny. <laughs> That's good. That's, That's really good. smart. That's a good marketing strategy, bro. You know, there are some songs that I just cannot listen to without yeah. going, oh, haha, that one, that one lyric stuck. Oh, haha, that one video. I also do like, think it's really funny that, um, personally for me, unfortunately, um, Dream S&P was one of my top genres in Spotify Wrapped. And when looking through all of the songs that are in the Dream S&P genre on Spotify, like half of them are Homestuck songs. Like half, half it's of like, them are Homestuck it's songs. like you, it's like, it's true. we didn't start the fire. It's let's see how far we've come. It's like all these different songs. And I'm like, those were Homestuck It's Blue songs. Lips by Regina Spector. It's Blue Lips by Regina Spector. <laughs> And it's also uh, Toby Fox and Neil yeah, Cicerega and also... these people of of the same corner of the internet. Was Neil Cicerega involved with Homestuck at Neil all? Neil Cicerega made the... Pizza not Hut really, Hut but I, it's no. the same corner. He made the Pizza Hut okay, Taco yeah. Bell, um, like the bit tune that plays in the background of it, which was then used mm-hmm. for a lot of Homestuck songs. And also, I believe he made the background track for the... Um, I forget what the video is called, but it's the one of just Andrew Hussey like walking to a bunch of different places. Sequest. Uh-huh. I have no idea. I, I'm pretty sure Neil Cicerega made the backing track for that. Yeah, no. Sequest is a parody. Is a parody of of the other one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brody mm. Can we talk about how there was Undertale in Collide? Yes, I thought that was really cute. I thought it was really cute. So in the S collide flash animation there is there are a few panels in it where the it looks like you're in a battle specifically against Sam oh, that's cool. in Undertale um which is really really just like I think that's really cool because in that let's talk about light motif for a second um I love the way so the use of megalovania in Homestuck it is very much a like Briska song. It, yeah, it's a song, um, damn it. I mean, yes, but it's used. It's a Vriska and a Radia. Vriska acts a Radia song. Oh my god. So true. Wow. So true. Um, been right. Like, it's a song that's very much like about being like at a 15 out of 10 and you're ready to rip a bitch's arm off. Mm-hmm. Um, so true. So, like, it is. In Undertale, it is used when you are in the, like, No Mercy route, um, which is what I prefer to call it. You're in the No Mercy route, uh, and you're fighting against Sans, and that is a song that plays. And on the soundtrack of Undertale, there is, of course, the hidden track, not really hidden track, but, like, the song song that might play when you fight Sans, yeah. or whatever it's called. That's Sans's theme. It has all, like, li- elements of, like, both the, like, hidden theme for Dr. Gaster, like, that, like, data mind character, as well as, like, elements of Bone Trousel mm-hmm. and his earlier theme music, et cetera, et cetera. That is the, thematically, the song that fits most with Sans as a boss battle for him. However, Megalovania, Megalovania is the song is that, song. Megalovania, yeah, that's the song that plays when Sans is fighting you. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think that's really cool, because, in, at that point in Undertale, yeah, you're on your Vriska shit. Um, yeah. Vriska honestly, you're more on your Aridin shit, but... That's another story. <laughs> my, like, Twitter at is a reference to 
one of the when I saw this panel in Homestuck, it made me crack up fucking laughing. I thought it was so goddamn funny. This is in like deep into act six where Arania is on a pirate ship full of ghost copies of all of her friends, enemies, and like colleagues. They're her colleagues at that point, her associates. Uh, and she is like frustrated at the events that are occurring before her. I don't fully remember which events they were, but in frustration, she psychically picks up a ghost Aridin and a ghost Cronus, his ancestor, and just shoves them together. And the like flavor text says Slampora, because <laughs> they're ass they're uh their last name is Ampora. And I thought that was so fucking funny. It is going to be my Twitter app forever. Yeah. It's good. Be clever, it's- man. I got a canon URL, baby. That's so You got it. So you're, you're in canon. Oh my god. But God, that era, that culture on Tumblr.com. I at one point I had a my Tumblr URL was a Homestuck reference, but I wanted to make it clear that I was into other things. So I made it um I made it Rainbow Drinker Weekend. Oh, wow. <laughs> Great. Rainbow Rainbow Drinker, for those who don't know, uh, it's uh the in on troll universe alternia. That is the term they use for vampire. So I thought it was very clever. When I was 17, I wanted to fuck Ezra Koenig so fucking bad. <laughs> Didn't we all? Uh, yeah. The music with Homestuck is just so, so much, so good. Yeah. Air of Grief. Especially is The Baby Is You. Especially The Baby Is You. The Baby Is You, which was used in the Pokemon battle theme for Sword and Shield. Oh, oh my god, I forgot about that. Yeah, the fact that Toby Fox like created Undertale in Andrew Hussey's basement. Um, he believe it wasn't. I don't think he finished it, but I do believe he was living with Hussey while he was like getting started. I think he created the name Undertale. Like he distinctly remembers creating the name Undertale in like Andrew Hussey's basement. That's so wow. Yeah, it also is very funny now when I see people who are like. Why would you compare Undertale to Homestuck? Like, Undertale is so much better. And I'm like, you don't know your roots, baby. Well, like, that's your cousin. <laughs> that's your cousin. <laughs> they are cousins. I would say thematically, they are very different. Oh, but, yeah, like, they're cousins. But Undertale would not exist without Andrew Hussey. Oh, absolutely not. It's, it's like, respect just, your elder. It's elders. so wild. Where it's like, you've got this goofy-ass comic where some kids play a video game. And then you look at the soundtrack, and it's just incredible. Incredible. Oh, it's banger like, after banger after banger. It's really good. It's banger after banger. It's air of grief. It's moonsetter. Like I still listen to some Homestuck fan songs, like completely unironically. Like Ugly Story. I, I like Ugly I'm story. going that crazy means- to Ugly Story. <laughs> I am a prince and I live in a ship. God damn. <laughs> you know, you're valid. As we are uh, winding down our discussion here, I wonder if there are, I mean, we've, you know, been talking for a bit about uh, the, the personal resonance of, of, of the thing and the sort of cultural impact that you uh, see every day. I'm wondering also about this thing that we've been circling back to about internet culture, fan culture, uh, and how the the influence of Homestuck on them. I mean, we, we started by talking about some 
things within fan culture that are defined by their origin in Homestuck fandoms. And we're also talking about this relationship to Minecraft, which is obviously a big thing right now, and how you know, the audience appeals there. Um, so yeah, I'm wondering about uh, if we have any other thoughts on that. I do genuinely think that Homestuck... I don't, Homestuck definitely was not the first fandom, but I do think it was the at least the most prominent internet fandom. Um, like, the first big internet fandom. Like, especially on Tumblr. Um, and I think that's a big reason why it had so much of an influence. Because I do remember, like, getting into Homestuck and a lot of people not knowing what the fuck it was. And then watching people now see Homestuck as, like, maybe they weren't into it, but they definitely do know it as, like, a household name. Um, I do think it was genuinely did define the start of, like, these very, very, uh, kind of echo what um, people were saying before, cultish fandoms that exist predominantly in internet spaces and then bleed into the real world through references or through cons or through just their notoriety in internet culture. Uh-huh. I think it was the blueprint. <laughs> I would say, yeah, I would say that, like, to put a finer point on that, like, Homestuck was truly the first parasocial fandom and the first truly parasocial piece of art yeah that yes 100 i think that like those are two like they're like it's a snake sucking its own dick right like Mm -hmm. it's not it's they're they're inseparable ideas but they're also like literally a plot point another (laughs) a recurring motif within homestuck but like you know what i'm saying like you have this thing And, like, I am pleasantly surprised on... It has been a long time since I have, like, read through Homestuck. Mm -hmm. And reading it with, like, other friends who are, like, also adults, I am pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoy the prose of Homestuck. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, I think as a text, it's really interesting i don't want to say whether or not it is good or bad because i think that it's i'm trying to do this thing because like those words are have like moral weight to them yeah right Mm -hmm. and i think that like are we going to like if i'm going to make a like moral judgment on a lot of the content in homestuck no i don't like it very much like there are like there are it is like littered with racial slurs um like it's it's really rough and like some of which like have extended into the like i'm specifically there's a track on the dave and rose like let's jam album that references that it uses a racial slur in the name of it. And I'm like, it's like one of the, it's like an old timey racial slur, sure. But I'm just like, it is still, it still is one. Um, And so I'm, but it's also the kind of thing where it's like, I also recognize how in on the internet in 2009, that was not recognized as a racial slur. It was recognized as a silly sounding word that used to be racist, but now it's just silly sounding. And like, like, I could probably write a fucking book about Homestuck and Obama specifically, oh, but, oh like, God. no, I'm serious. Like, the socio-political landscape, like, just, like, surrounding Homestuck, like, everything that was happening and, like, all of the things that, like, not just 
the people who were reading Homestuck, but also like, listen, Andrew Hussey is a person. Do I, I don't know them well enough to make a judgment on whether or not they're a good person or a bad person. But what I fundamentally believe is that people are capable of learning and growing. And I think that a lot of what Homestuck is, is watching somebody learn and grow in real time. definitely. And that's never going to be, like, first of all, you have to start from somewhere. No one is born without sin or what the fuck ever yeah. Protestants believe. But like, yeah, it's it's very like you have to start from somewhere. This was like we're already like and sure you can have I have a lot of thoughts about how like, OK, we started from somewhere and you were still like a grown ass man at the beginning of Homestuck. And also like, I don't know, man, I don't expect random like 30 year old white dudes to be particularly like up to date on like the things that are okay to say to other people like i don't have very high expectations for them um and i never really have um especially not online um in in 09 oh in 09 (laughs) also even now yeah so like i don't know i think that like I don't want to say whether or not Homestuck is good or bad. There are aspects of Homestuck that I fundamentally, morally, whatever, disagree with. And if I had written Homestuck, they would not be there. And also Homestuck wouldn't be Homestuck without them. And I'm not saying that to defend the presence of the unsavory elements of it. I'm saying this because... First of all, those were the elements that launched the backlash in the fandom that sparked the growth, that sparked the evolution. I do think that... I think... um, I'm just going to throw something out here. I think that, in a way, the whole thing is a reflection of the panopticon of social media and how we've all... You you know, we, we, we all sort of have this journey where we you know, begin in an online space and sort of grow into it. And we're all sort of observing everyone else in that space. But, you know, I think everyone's done something online that they're at least embarrassed about and at most mortified by uh, in in, in hindsight. But uh, perhaps the way that we talk about Andrew Hussey, so on a a micro level, the way that we interact with each other online in general. Like, you know, you're talking about, you're talking about like how, like the growth and how the fandom changed things if it were not for the backlash that, you know, changes that came with social media, we wouldn't we wouldn't have ended up with Dave Pitta, you know, who canonically yeah. uses they them pronouns. We wouldn't have had a, a non-binary exactly. character just fucking show I up. I don't think we would have ended up I with love Dave Pitta. Bernie Stan Andrew Hussey if the fandom didn't True. Sure. bully him Clown into Soda being have her Andrew Hussey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I d I don't want to make too much of a judgment on Andrew Hussey's personal politics because to be fair a lot of other shit was happening that did radicalize a lot of people as much as like supporting Bernie Sanders can be considered radical oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. which it isn't but you know what I mean I do think but that like, his fandom did influence a lot of his actions though. yeah absolutely absolutely I'm going to that's definitely a part of it yeah yeah going back again I do think I mean Sam you were talking about I don't want like not wanting to label Homestuck as good or bad, but I do think like the meta that surrounds Homestuck and like 
the critical discussions that surround Homestuck are good. And I think that even if Homestuck is morally bad in some degrees, the, the, like you're saying, the discussion that came from that brain wreck is good. And I think a lot of the people who like Homestuck now and like admit that like, yeah, Homestuck sucks, but I enjoyed being a part of it are talking about that, like, A, the community, and also B, those discussions that blossomed because of how fucking atrocious it was. Yeah, and of course, nothing on the scale of, like, a completed work of art is, you know, completely good or bad. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. I I will say also, in retrospect, some of the things that were a bigger deal at the time, looking back and now putting together, like, bits of, like, Formspring answers that I didn't read when it, they were first published. Mm -hmm. Like, the, like, very, like, controversial answer that andrew hussey gave about like the kids in the comic being a racial but they're definitely not black which like as in i first of all i understand he meant literally as in like their like whatever it was in poor taste and badly worded and it was also in response to like an incredibly antagonistic question that was like is jade asian and if so, are you trying to, like, do a commentary about race and racism in, like, a really, like, it was, like, a really weird and antagonistic question that was, like, implying that making, that Jade being Asian would make the comic racist. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was his not equally antagonistic, but antagonistic answer in response to that and then that was taken as justification by the fandom to completely shit on anybody who drew the kids as anything other than white yeah. mm -hmm. whereas i think by the time we got to like official homestuck merch and like actual like canon depictions of the kids trickster arc aside which i'm gonna be Our real episode. i thought the caucasian joke was fucking hilarious yeah. I thought it was really yeah. funny. I wish he didn't change it. Um, I it's understand. another thing where, like, in context, it's clearly like the you know the color in like, like of of their skin in that space. Like you know, they, yeah. it's you know not saying that they're definitively Caucasian, mm. right? <laughs> and also, I understand why people did not like that. Like, yeah. In the moment, I was like, oh, Ooh, sure. I'm going to sit this discourse out because I my opinion is not the one people want to hear right now which is it's fucking hilarious i'm sorry <laughs> um but also i am of the belief that like you know if it's funny it doesn't really fucking count um like i i'll go on the record i think that every single time they did blackface and it's always sunny in philadelphia was so goddamn hilarious that it circled back around to not being racist anymore i'll die on that hill um anyway sure. so i'll come on a different episode to talk about it's always sunny how about that i just caught up like right before we started recording i'm not caught up yet so i'll catch up and then we can do that um yeah i'd never watched it in full or never watched it at all actually but now i'm caught up basically i think that like homestuck is did andrew hussey do something that was like absolutely fucking terrible usually no he did something that was like in poor taste which is i think different and then due to the size and 
scale and whiteness, frankly, of the fandom, it got magnified into something that was used to genuinely be really cruel to fans of color. And I say this as someone who experienced that, just like for simply existing. Like I was not popular on Tumblr, you know? Um, I think that like criticizing the text as a text is difficult to do when when you have that emotional attachment to it because I can't read Homestuck without thinking about all of the stuff I experienced when I read it for the first time. And I'm sure the rest of you can't either, which is yeah. why I think I'm actually kind of interested in hearing from people who weren't wrapped up in that, if only because I do, like, I do also, like, dislike it when people are inherently unsympathetic towards Homestuck. Yeah. However, I also think having that, like, I was not participating in all of the, like, in-group shit and just, like, reading the comic for what it is, even the parts that are actively responding to the fandom, I actually think that, like, there's a lot of really interesting stuff there. And I think an outside perspective could actually help kind of, like, unlock that. It is interesting. As I read. Because it's it for me, it's hard to see Homestuck as just a text because it's so deeply rooted in like its community that I've never even like really considered interpreting it from like an outside perspective of someone who is solely focusing on that text. But it is it, what you're bringing up is really interesting, and yeah, you make a really good point. Like I do feel like I need to revisit it now that I am an adult and I'm not like yeah constantly going through it. Uh, and I feel like no, I do totally. need to revisit and be like, hey, what's what's this say when I'm not projecting? Exactly. And I think it's it's as an adult, it's a lot easier to not project. And I also think it can be an interesting exercise in like sympathy for your past self in a lot of Absolutely. ways. Because also as an adult, I can see past the like veneer of like, not wanting people to think I'm cringy or whatever and like actually like get at okay this is why I got into this this is why this was like in interesting to me like to pick up a thread we you brought up earlier about like Homestuck influencing like your own like academic work I mean I highly doubt that I would be as enthusiastic about the like new media studies bullshit that I'm interested in doing if I hadn't read Homestuck exactly. because Homestuck like, did a lot of shit that no one else was doing at the time and a lot of the stuff that other people were doing it was my first introduction to it so yeah. it was just very formative when it comes to when it comes to new media, like the thing that I am most interested in studying is how the English language has changed into the digital era. And you can't talk about that without talking about Homestuck and without talking about the presence of typing quirks and talking about, you know, how we understood Dave's deadpan by how he spoke in all lowercase with no punctuation. And how that right. became the shorthand for deadpan. Yeah. Like Right. And I would say that like those are things I that aren't necessarily like caused by Homestuck, but that Homestuck primed people to be able to understand yeah, exactly. much 
faster. Well, because Homestuck than I think they otherwise would have. Homestuck was a product of early internet culture, and so it established those mm-hmm. things as early internet culture. Yeah, I think that Homestuck is really the first piece of, you know, new media that like reached reached me and reached you know that the people that I was interacting with on the level where I mean you know a lot of these people were largely interacting with you know TV shows and cartoons and and traditional media that came from that background that like you know the 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 Buffy and Firefly era the you know again this proliferation of anime in America and this how those sort of were things that reached out to the fans more directly and then I think that Homestuck is the first instance of new media that was directly built from the fan community that reached that level yeah. in mm-hmm. online circles the the one thing that I joke about is uh, I always say I've got this book on my shelf. It's a uh, because internet by Gretchen McCulloch, who's she's an internet linguist. She had a very popular like Tumblr and shit. And the one thing that I always joke about is that there was some interview where they were like, "So what's like one thing you haven't been able to trace the root of?" And she said, "Oh, I haven't been able to trace the root of using commas as ellipses." My god, that's so funny. Girl, it's Tavros. It's literally Tavros. Yeah, that one is Tavros. That one is Tavros. <laughs> that's really that's a Tavros. That's a Tavros. It's one of those things where I'm like, I don't know how to say this. That's really To you, funny. <laughs> internet linguist, Dr. Gretchen McCullough. <laughs> but it's a Homestuck reference. Well, it's like, it's that one tweet that's like, what is it? Um, every the nature so often, of humanity yeah. is that every so often someone will reinvent Homestuck. Yeah. <laughs> And it's I I think it's an that's an interesting tweet because really I think a lot of that phenomenon comes down to the sheer scope of Homestuck yeah. and it's like the narrative devices that it plays with where there's so many like really fundamental parts of culture that already existed that are now sort of tied to Homestuck just in terms of like the Zodiac uh, the you know card suits like <laughs> like there are very basic things that have True. gotten swept up although in this. I have a dis- memory i was visiting my boyfriend at the time um in new york city over the summer uh and i was i was like visiting a friend in queens or somewhere else and i was like listening to the like post finale the the adventure zone zone and i remember so distinctly Griffin McElroy give it letting out just like a deep and troubled sigh and then either Justin or Travis just like slamming his hand on the table and going we don't fucking know what homestuck is <laughs> <laughs> they stopped doing they fucking stopped doing what are they what were they called uh when you could do a shout out jumbotrons they stopped yeah, doing but- jumbotrons after this group sent in a hundred dollars for Justin McElroy to say in the taco voice, Briska did nothing wrong. That's so funny. That is not the thing that caused it, but it was, I do think that's very funny. It was so like they stopped it right after that. Mm. <laughs> and it was so funny. Guys, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Pulp Friction. Hell yeah. It's been an illuminating conversation. And to everyone who's stuck with us for all this time, thank you so much for listening. You can support the show by subscribing to my Substack or by sharing it on social media. It's one of the biggest things you can do. Share it with your friends. Let them know you like the show. If you do like it, if you don't like it, keep it to yourself. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 
you guys have been great guests. You're welcome back anytime. Next week, I will be going over my uh, the the films of 2021. We'll be doing something special for that. But do we have any finishing thoughts before we wrap up? It's been a very interesting discussion. I would say uh, wish list validate on Steam. Um, it's going to be amazing. It probably wouldn't exist without Homestuck, if I'm being honest. It has nothing, it is not like Homestuck in any way. We're good writers, I promise. <laughs> uh, but like, I'm just like really, really proud of all the work everybody on the team has done. Um, and yeah, I I wouldn't be on the team without Homestuck, that's for sure. I also, on my Twitter, which is at Slampora, there is a link in my bio to my writing portfolio if you want to read some of like my literary criticism um, or some of the fiction that I have published. Yeah, uh, those are all of the things that I have to say. I mean, if uh, we're doing uh, shout outs. Any other blogs? Um, I've been posting my animations on YouTube finally, so if you want to follow me, I'm Hair Animate. I post fun original characters and Hunter Hunter animations, so if you like that, subscribe. I'm not really an artist and I do not have a public social media, however, uh, I will shout out Because Internet because it is just a fantastic exploration of internet linguistics and the development of internet language. I also want to make a final point just on how Homestuck mod is a modern-day epic. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it is. And I'd also like to shout out... Uh, I'd like to shout out Roxy for helping me with some of the... Uh, coming up, helping me come up with, like, some, some questions last night because we were talking about it. And uh, they're one of the people that I met at a convention who later we, like, reconnected through a different fandom. So shout out. Nice. Um, as we're doing plugs to cap us off here, you can follow me on Twitter at New Rocky Tweets, and uh, I recently posted a new mashup on my YouTube, which is New Rocky Videos. If you can find it, I do a lot of song edits and mashups there. Uh, and I already mentioned my Substack. I've been posting my end of the year stuff, including uh, these audio as well. You're likely listening to this through Substack, if not somewhere else. But um, yeah, lots of great stuff happening there. So to the listeners at home, once again, thank you for joining us. To the to our guests here, thank you for joining me. And uh, I will see you next week. I disagree. I disagree. I disagree. I disagree. Yeah. I disagree, Gary.